600 ESPN El Paso, River Oaks Property Schoolyard Sports Studio. Here's Steve Kaplowitz and Adrian Broadus. All right, welcome back, everybody, as we get started here on a Wednesday edition of Sports Talk. As you heard a moment ago, you're okay? Yeah, good. The aforementioned Adrian Broadus, Steve Kaplowitz, back with you for three hours today. Three hours? Congratulations to the Texas Rangers. They won both. Took the uh, Rays right out of the playoffs. 7-1 today. Never in doubt. Never in doubt. Congratulations to the Rangers advancing now to the American League Divisional Series. We'll see if Minnesota can have the same success today against Toronto. Meanwhile, we're about an hour away from Arizona and Milwaukee, and then we've got uh, Miami and Philly tonight, so uh, some good baseball. And Adrian, uh, this is my favorite time of year because you have baseball postseason, the NFL, you've got uh, basketball starting up soon, and hockey. It's like it's that rare time of year where all four big sports intersect. Yeah, it's the sports equinox, as we like to call it in the sports world. I love it. Uh, this is the best time of year. Uh, are you surprised early on in the baseball action? I mean, Rangers uh, pretty much skunked the Rays today. See, that one wasn't close. I mean, they were up like 5 nothing yeah. pretty much the whole way. Rays get a one run late in that one. Uh, surprised yesterday with the Diamondbacks getting the first game against the Brewers. I was uh, early, early on. What what surprises you here in baseball playoff action? Did not expect the Rangers to beat the Rays twice and knock them out of the postseason, especially with how crazy the Rangers' end of season was, trying to just get to the playoffs over Seattle and Houston and and getting in. Um, I, I did not expect that. The Rays won ninety nine games during the regular season. When a team wins nearly a hundred games, finishes two games back of the lead, and loses. In the postseason, in two straight, in front of no fans in their home ballpark, that's a that's a bit of a shock. So yeah, I'll say that's a surprise. I did not expect Corbin Burns to lose at home yesterday the way he did to Arizona. That was a bit of a surprise too. And all I can say about Philadelphia is they just turn it on in the postseason. There are certain teams that are postseason ready. The Phillies are a great example of that. They just cruise through the regular season, and then when it gets to be the playoffs, now you got a healthy Bryce Harper. That's a scary thought, and a lot of veterans on that team. Dangerous group, Trey Turner and company. Yeah, Philly will be a tough out. You know, with Philadelphia yesterday, there were multiple opportunities again for the Marlins that they had chances, uh, and they just couldn't seize on any of those opportunities. I thought that the Phillies did a great job of just, uh, you know, taking them away from that game and uh, any opportunity they had to try to come back. Uh, Philadelphia did a great job yesterday of holding on to that lead, so I was impressed by them. We might see, uh, you know, another sweep here in Minnesota if this hangs true and we see a 2 nothing lead continue, although uh, the Blue Jays here, speaking of opportunities, they have one uh, here against uh, Toronto. They've got to even things up, though, t- today, Steve. Two on, two out, and it's going to be Bo Bichette up against Sonny Gray in a 2 nothing game uh, here in the fifth inning, top of the fifth. So, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see. you got to stick with Sonny Gray. You can't take Sonny Gray out after four and two-thirds. There's just no way to do it. He's been too good during the regular season. But it's not easy when you've got Vladimir Guerrero and Bo Bichette battle bat, you know, back-to-back. That's what makes it fun. We'll talk baseball and beer with Jay Jaffe coming up here in our 4 o'clock hour. 5 o'clock, we'll do fantasy talk with Jeff Erickson from rotowire.com. Excited about that. And here for the entire ride today, the now I guess I'll just say it. I mean, you know, he is elevating himself quickly up the UTEP depth charts, that's for sure, including uh, getting an opportunity to play in the uh, game last Saturday night uh, here, or Friday night, I should say, at the Sun Bowl against La Tech. 
Cade McConnell back with us for the full show today. Good to see you, and uh, thanks for being here. Yeah, good to see you too. Like I always say when I come on, it's a pleasure to be here with you guys. I have so much fun being here, and uh, it's going to be an exciting one today. It is going to be an exciting one. And speaking of exciting, it's, uh, listen, I know the season's not going the way you and everybody else want it to go, but it's weird. You started the year as fourth on the depth chart, and now here you are essentially this week taking the snaps during the bye week as the number one because of all the rash of injuries we've had a chance to see. I guess it just goes to show you that you always have to be ready at all times because you just never know what's going to happen during a season. You know, every cliche that people tell you when you're not the starter, oh, be ready, one play away, anything could happen, you got to stay prepared, prepare every week like you're going to play, they're all true. They're all true. you got to do all those things, and this week was just a prime example of that. And luckily, you know, I take preparing very seriously no matter what spot I'm thrust into or the expected reps that I'm going to get and um, uh, got to go in and, and, and tried to help the team as best as much, like, much as I could. That's good because I would, you know, I would think to myself that you probably would be asked in the beginning of the season, well, what are the chances I'm going to play? You might say to yourself, well, not very good. But I guess you, have to, you can't go with that mentality. You have to be ready to go whether you're number one on the depth chart or last on the depth chart because you can't predict injuries you can't forecast what's going to happen in the season and you just never know when your name and number is going to get called yeah you can't predict anything you never know what's going to happen during the season and you got to do it for all the right reasons you got to do it because you love the sport you got to do it for the guys around you and when they need you to step up and go in whether you know at any point in the game you have to be ready to do so Cade, uh, this past weekend, we you get you got uh, got in the final drive for the Miners and had success throwing the ball through the air. Also had some scrambles on the ground, and then the response on social media was pretty positive in your favor. What was it like getting that for the first time? Hearing that people were excited uh, that you went in when it was all said and done in that game. Yeah, I mean, it was awesome, you know, to be able to go in. It was, uh, you know, personally, it was a really cool moment for me. Like I said, I've I've grown up and Division One football has been my dream forever. And being on the field, you know, when I when I went out there for that two minute drill and took the field for that first drive, full drive that I was in, I kind of soaked it in for a second. I was like, you know, I'm just gonna go have fun. I'm gonna play loose. I'm gonna play the game that I grew up loving, um, and have fun with it. And you know, it was a good drive. I would have loved to get in the end zone there at the end. Came up just a bit short. Um, and it was nice to hear some positivity around. But you also got to turn the page and look to next week at the same time given the circumstances of this team the last thing anybody expected was one in five heading into the bye week I've I've gone public and and you know this I've said I picked I picked nine and three this year so for me I I I could not have been more off with the way things have started and it's a combination of a lot of things injuries have started to mount but when the team was healthy they weren't able to pull some games out that were winnable games early and here we go and it's weird because for you um, you could be in a really good position the rest of the season to see significant reps and hopefully have a chance to get in there and try to win some football games. But I'm sure uh, you'd much rather be doing this on during a 5-1 and one season or even a 3-3 three and three campaign at this point versus a 1-5 and five where clearly this team has to get on a roll if they want to try to have any chance of salvaging this season. Yeah, I mean it's a tough spot to be in. Nobody wants to be one and five, and everybody wishes we were, you know, six and zero, oh, five and one. 
Um, I was asked this week, you know, how are you going to prepare differently now that you may be in a different role or with all the craziness and not knowing exactly what's going to happen for the week? And I said, I'm not going to prepare any different. None of us are going to prepare any differently. We're going to go out and we're going to give it everything we have like we do. I mean, the the whole team, this is the sport that we love playing. um, And we're going to go up and and there's only one thing to do. And that's, you know, to put the shoulder pads back on, put the helmet on and give everything you have to the next week, trying to make it better than the week before. So you know, like I, like I said, when I was asked on the sideline, I'm not, I'm not going to do anything differently. I'm going to prepare to the best of my ability like I do every single week, and the rest of the team is going to do the same. Um, and we're going to go put our best foot forward against FIU. Since you're the one that, for the most part, will have the headset on, you, it almost feels to me like when you're on the sidelines during the games, you're almost like seeing it as a coach and, and really soaking it in because of how you see the game. Does that almost prepare you more than when you go into the game? You just feel... I don't know, maybe you feel different because you've been studying it so much from that capacity, whether you've got the headphones listening to the coaches and the coordinators and watching the game unfold. I don't say it gives you an advantage, but you just feel really prepared when you get the opportunity to go in there. I think it's a combination of both. I think when you're on the sidelines and you get to see it from the outside for a majority of the game and you've done your film study throughout the week and you've done you know what you can in practice and, and trying to see looks and stuff, you take that, but then once you go in, I don't want to say it goes... It doesn't go out the window, but you try to keep as much of that as you can in the back of your head because you don't want to be thinking while you're playing. You just want to be feeling. You want to be reacting, and you want all the preparation and the things that you've been seeing on the sideline or throughout the week to come into your play naturally. And I feel like that happened a little bit for me. Um, I wasn't thinking about all the things that I had seen, you know, necessarily during the week, and, and it was a little bit different because it was a two-minute drill, so it's it's not necessarily running, you know, the full operation of the offense. Um, it's obviously going quick, but you kind of want a mix of those two. You want to take what you have, and you want to take you know your reactions and your natural instincts put them together and at the same time here you are getting first team reps because of some injuries to players that were ahead of you at the depth chart to start the season and you're so close to tasting it you want to try to seize it and not let go right making sure that when you have the opportunity you make the most of it have a chance to try to get a, a win or two or more on under your belt and make it a really difficult choice for the coaching staff to to, to sit you back down Yeah, I mean, that's everybody's goal that's on this team. You're trying to put your best foot forward no matter what, you know, for the guys around you, for the organization that you play for, for yourself, for everything, for your family. I mean, there's there's a million and a half reasons why you could want to play football and why you want to go do good and why you want to show the coaches, you know, who you are. Um, That's everybody's job. And so I'm no different. I want to go out there and, you know, show my best football um, and ultimately go out, help win games. Kate, did you have a welcome to Division One moment on Saturday when you th- went in for the first time? It was your first time attempting passes in a Division One game. Did you have a moment where you were like, "Oh, okay, I'm this is what it is. Okay, this is I'm here and I'm ready to go." Yeah, I mean, you know. Um, it was a bummer that those guys got hurt. I'll say it every week. You know, I love those guys. They're my best friends. I never want any of them to get hurt. And it was my job to be ready for that moment. So, um, you know, when Kevin got banged up right there and I had to go in for the play, there wasn't too much thought process. It was, it was just kind of, you know, strap your chin strap up, calm down and go in and, and just try to execute football. Like I have my entire life. I, I've played some really big high school games against great opponents. I've played some, you know, really competitive junior college games. And I felt like I was like, okay, this is a big moment. You got to go in, you know, it was fourth and 14 on that first play or fourth and 13 uh, that I went in and they ended up bringing cover zero and right as I got the ball released I, I got popped pretty good which was a little bit of like all right welcome to division one college football Kate. that was a that was your first snap on there and, and your chin your chin strap got knocked a little loose but it was great it was great like I said uh, I had fun I really did I was I enjoyed the moment um, I thought that 
you know, our, I thought that our team in that last little bit had a little bit of a spark and did some good things. Um, and now we're just trying to, to salvage as much as we can of that and take it rolling in the next week. What about when you go into the huddle for the first time and you see guys and you realize it's now a game situation, you try to talk to them. Were, they, were you talking to them more or them talking to you as you were able to really get into that huddle for the first time? I think I was talking to them more, and I think a lot of that comes from – you know, everyone has their things in the game or how they play quarterback and everyone has like their, you know, their archetype of how they need to manage the team. I'm a guy that likes to go in there and I like to be the one that's talking and directing people what I want them to do and how we're going to go and making sure everyone hears me because that makes me feel like I'm in control. It boosts my confidence and hopefully it does the same for them. You know, they understand Cade's got our back. You know, he know he knows what's going on. He Maybe he hasn't been in here very much, but he's come in right now. He's got everything dialed in. He knows what he wants. He knows how he wants this offense to be run and that's the feeling that I want my players around me to have and that's the feeling that I want the coaches to have and really everybody that's watching like I want everyone to feel like I know exactly what I'm doing because I do um, and and that's kind of the way that I play quarterback so they were talking to me a little bit our offensive line is you know veterans they've been there for a long time so so they're you know hey Cade let's go let's do this you know you got you got this make a play man um, and they're super supportive I also want to be verbal back the name of this is Talking Under Center with Cade McConnell. He named the segment and how appropriate because now you're doing exactly what you're talking about. You're talking under center and explaining what that is like for you firsthand from your first D1 game here on Friday. Pretty cool. Yeah, it is pretty cool. A little bit of uh, real inside access to under center with the Miners. All right. When we return... More with Cade. He'll be with us throughout the show today, but we're going to do a little baseball and beer. Jay Jaffe is going to join us next from Fangraphs. We'll get Jay's reaction to the Rangers being the first team to advance to the ALDS and all the baseball you want to hear. So stay with us. Sports Talk continues right after Charlie One, who has our first traffic update of the afternoon. We continue here on Sports Talk. Jay Jaffe back with us for another trip from Fangraphs.com. Follow Jay on Twitter at J underscore Jaffe. With the baseball postseason underway, the Rangers have already advanced on to the American League uh, divisional round. Jay, welcome back. Let's start with Texas. Uh, I did not expect them to look as good as they did in both games and and essentially dominate uh, the Rays uh, in both contests. Was that something that you thought uh, could possibly happen, or did you expect a 99-win Tampa team to at least give Texas a better run for their money? I mean, I thought it would be a closer series. I actually I picked the Rays, but I but I have to admit I didn't put uh, a deep uh, amount of thought into it when I when I did that. Uh, you know, I think one thing that people uh, people are are prone to is um, forget. You know, is is uh, uh, putting too much emphasis on how each team finished the season, and particularly with the Rangers uh, uh, blowing that division title. It's important to remember that you know September records, and I've studied this over and over again, and I revised this revise this study every every couple of years. September records do not predict October success or failure. Um, so it's easy to get wrapped up in the narrative of like these uh, they kind of backed into the playoff, they blew the they blew that uh, um, the division title and all that. Um, and you just have to go and, and analyze them as the team that they are. And, and um, you know the Rays won 99 games, but they don't have Wander Franco anymore. They're missing some of the some of the, the great pitchers that they lost due to injuries like Shane McClanahan. Um, this is a different team. They had a lot of rookies up there. Uh, they look terrible defensively. Uh, actually, did a piece on on, de- on team defense today uh, that was riffing on that. Um, this was just, you know, it was not the strongest ninety nine team, ninety nine win team we've ever seen. That's true. And uh, meanwhile, 
we're in the middle of watching a uh, a Minnesota team that could take uh, Toronto and get them right out of the playoffs. In fact, they uh, took out Sonny Gray after a beautiful pickoff move to end the fifth, uh, picking off Vladimir Guerrero Jr. with runners on second and third and two outs to keep the shutout going. But if Minnesota's bullpen can find a way to seal the deal and uh, and knock Toronto out, then that'll be two teams from the AL East that are both exiting early, which, again, given how good that division was, that would be a little surprising to me. It's surprising. And, again, yeah, I, you know, I, I had the Blue Jays here. But, you know, the, the Rays, I mean, the, uh, the Twins do have very strong pitching. And, and uh, um, so far they, they've, they've, uh, uh, they've shown that. It's, um, you know, these best of three series, though, I, I don't like this format at all. I mean, it's just, you know, in the space of 24 hours you can be, you can be eliminated with these two games that just happened back-to-back. Um, it's not a real series, and and uh, um, you know so the you know the the shorter the series, the more likely you're going to you're going to get an upset because you're you're not uh, uh, evaluating the team depth. You're 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 basing this on on one or two results. Um, but uh, I think people are, when they're talking about this series, though, they're going to talk about that decision to to pull Jose Barrios uh, after just 47 pitches in the in the in the top of the fourth inning uh, when it was still scoreless and and. Uh, uh, you say Kikuchi uh, uh, subsequently allowed two runs. Nobody uh, has I've seen has given a, a justification that makes any sense. I know that the Blue Jays announcers uh, were apoplectic. I know Blue Jays fans are like, "What the heck is going on?" Uh, nobody can really figure out the logic behind it. Um, it's it's unfortunate that, that that decision could cost them their season. No, you're right, 100 percent correct. And by the way, Tampa had 19,000 fans yesterday. It was the lowest paid attendance since 1919. I know they're getting a new ballpark to replace the Trop, but at the same time, seeing less than 20,000 show up for a playoff game, and I don't even know what the attendance was for today's game, Jay. But that is beyond depressing and hard to believe that a big league franchise, which is already tarping off more than half the ballpark can't figure out a way to put 25k in it for a playoff battle well i think you just you know again this is you know, i think you also have to point a finger at major league baseball for watering down the product mm-hmm. you know um the higher inventory of playoff games these early these early round games that are played in the afternoon you know not everybody can get to them they they, they cost a lot more money than a regular season game but not everybody's gonna th- gonna throw that down um the other thing yeah, again you know to harp on the Rays just a minute, you know their new ballpark is supposed to be right across from where the where the current one is. And for years and years and years, we've been hearing about the way that the uh, um, uh, the infrastructure uh, of the St. Petersburg area, uh, with a limited road access to this ballpark, has been one of the things that's uh, uh, that is, that has put a crimp on attendance. And yet, there that is not that factor is not changing at all uh, when they move to the new ballpark. So. Um, I really have to wonder about uh, the the veracity of that statement, or uh, if it was just a convenient talking point to try to get them a, a, a better a better site, and they had to settle for for what they're getting. Twenty six dollars tickets to get into that Rays game, Jay. Twenty six bucks. That's all? I mean, that was it. All? That's all. Yeah, that's it. I mean, well. I mean, uh, you listen. You spend more money on four packs of beer than you could yeah. to go into a Rays game. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Well. That's too bad. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. Uh, Jay Jaffe with us here on Sports Talk as we continue. Also, I think it's important uh, to discuss uh, some of the other big topics, uh, including what happened uh, yesterday to Corbin Burns. He has been one of the more reliable pitchers for Milwaukee. They are already going to be, uh, you know, without one of their leaders, and that's, uh, you know, um, um, I'm trying to remember it. Um, 
I think it was was it Woodruff? Uh, Woodruff. Woodruff, right. Woodruff, who's yep. who's not pitching in this series. And then Burns gets lit up by Arizona. Arizona's kind of a fun team, Jay. Nobody's really thinking much about them. And yet, uh, despite a season in which they finished with only 84 wins, they've got one of the best young players in the game in Corbin Carroll. They also, uh, you know, Christian, uh, Christian Walker's having a terrific year. And yesterday, they kind of put together a weird bullpen game, and it was enough to take a one-game-to-none lead. Yeah, Burns, you know, Burns has 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 receded from that Cy Young season a couple of years ago and uh um you know considering that he's uh um you know, he's supposed to be their ace. It, it's unfortunate they didn't get more out of him and and uh um you know, good job by the uh, Diamondbacks bullpen to, to string together so many zeros after uh, after Brandon Fott struggled so so uh so much so early. You know, he was not their first choice to start, but they had to play all week, you know, they had to uh, play games that mattered all weekend in order to get into the playoffs. Um, so you know they didn't have the luxury of lining up their rotation. It's it's a it's a bitter pill to swallow when you you know you've got your ace going against their scrub and 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 you you can't bring that home. But uh, um, you know that's where the Brewers find themselves. And again with this three game series, uh, not a lot of margin for error. Talking uh, baseball with uh, Jay Jaffe, who's got a terrific retrospective piece on Brooks Robinson. Uh, That was uh, from late last week. And then also uh, some good stories on the defense of the postseason teams and uh, managers paying the price for underachieving teams in Gabe Kapler and uh, Buck Showalter. By the way, one manager who did not pay the price, uh, and maybe some are a little surprised, is Bob Melvin, who the Padres announced today will be returning next season as manager. Did that surprise you a little bit? Yeah, it did, because we've heard uh, some rumblings about how there's a rift between uh, Melvin and, and uh, A.J. Preller based on some of the reports that have come out. Um, you know, and the fact that uh, this this talent-laden uh Padres team never really gelled all season long until really until it was almost too late and uh you know some of that I think is is seen as uh, you know the manager couldn't motivate them so um I am very surprised I think he you know it's when I wrote about uh uh Kapler and Showalter both getting fired um Melvin's name had been floated for both from both vacancies if uh you know if he had been if he had lost his job I think he probably would have uh uh, or very possibly would have at least interviewed for one of those jobs if if he was if he were interested. But uh, um, you know, I, obviously Peter Seidler, the 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 owner uh, of the Padres, likes him a lot. Uh, wants to see this work, and uh, you know, I can underst- I can understand not uh, you know not wanting to uh, uh, open the door to even more chaos. I think with Preller, given how many managers he's burned through, I don't know that he's got another manager in him before. Uh, uh, before it's his neck on the block. More with Jay as we keep things moving, but first let's go back to Adrian and get this bottom of the hour Sports Center update. From fangraphs.com. Jay, another great opportunity for the Jays here in the uh, sixth inning. Bases loaded, one out, and it looks like a tailor made double play will get them out of the jam again. So first it was the pickoff move to end the fifth. Now base is loaded and Chapman hits into an inning-ending double play. Yeah, it's rough. It's rough going for the Blue Jays. They've had their chances today. Obviously, they've got uh, uh, eight hits already and 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 two walks, and they haven't been able to do anything with it. So, 
Um, it's getting late early for them right now, as Yogi Berra would say. It really is. Uh, by the way, uh, as the Rangers uh, took care of business today against the Rays, they will get the Orioles coming up Saturday, game one, 11 a.m. from Baltimore. Give me your first sneak peek at what should be a really good series between the Rangers and the O's. Yeah, I mean, the, the Orioles are a very good team. I mean, they had the best record in the in the uh, American League a uh, lot of great young talent on that team with uh, Gunnar Henderson and, and Adley Rushman leading the way. Um, their pitching is a bit of a question mark. Uh, their starters, um, they've, got some, they've got some good ones, but uh, many of them are in uncharted territory as far as workloads are concerned. Um, and they lost Felix Batista to Tommy John surgery, their closer. Uh, um, uh, Yiner uh, Cano has been uh, very good uh, in, in his place. Uh, Singer ball doesn't miss bats in the same way, but uh, is is certainly uh, a force to be reckoned with there. Um, I, you know, I think that I think that they're the team to beat. But uh, it, you know, it's tough to uh, uh, it, it's tough to know exactly what you're going to get from uh, from those pitchers at this point because uh, they really kind of bypassed a, an opportunity to upgrade that rotation uh, to an even greater extent at the deadline. They just got Jack Flaherty, and he's been exiled to the bullpen already. You know, it's funny, uh, the Astros await the winner of this Blue Jays series against the Twins, um, and, and although some people think that uh, maybe Dusty Baker's managing will drive him crazy, here he is uh, with the success he's had now uh, with some World Series uh, rings in uh, Houston and what he's been able to do. Um, you tell me, do you feel like uh, Dusty's going to keep this gig for a while longer, or do you think Houston might eventually get to a point where they want to move in a different direction? Well, I don't think that um, that <clears throat> that loyalty goes very far with Jim Crane. I mean, we saw he he uh, axed uh, uh, the general manager James Click last year after, um, or he didn't offer him an appropriate contract yeah. after after they won the World Series. But uh, you know, for the moment, I think you know Dusty's uh, uh, still into this. If he won one more World Series, who knows? I mean, he could be. You know, he's at his age in his seventies. He could retire at any point. Um, you know, I think he just wants to be able to make the decision himself and uh, uh, not get pushed out the door. But uh, we'll see what happens here. I mean, right now, I mean, the Astros look like look like they're as strong as any team, uh, you know, on the on the American League side. So. Um, they've got they've got a real shot at this. In fact, I think I picked them for the World Series. To me, it doesn't matter what happens in the two wild card series in the National League. Uh, if the Braves and Dodgers don't play each other in the NLCS, I'll feel cheated because I just feel like for the longest time that's where we've been headed, and you can never predict what's going to happen in a seven game series. But I'm hoping we'll get Braves and Dodgers uh, coming up in uh, in a few weeks. Yeah, I mean they are you know they are definitely uh, head and shoulders above the rest of the teams. But the Braves have just been dynamite this year. Um, the real question about both of those teams is their starting pitching. I mean they've had a lot of injuries. Um, the uh, the Braves are a little bit closer to hole right now, and they've got Max Fried back. Um, Spencer Strider is 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 uh, uh, has obviously been pitching well. The Dodgers had a lot more of a makeshift rotation. Clayton Kershaw has pitched well when available, but. Uh, uh, he has been limited uh, to just uh, uh, some pretty short starts here since returning from a shoulder issue that appears to be ongoing and might require some off-season intervention. Um, they're wobbling through with a lot of good good young pitchers uh, who have high ceilings but uh, don't have a lot of experience, uh, Bobby Miller being the best of them, probably the, their game two starter. Uh, they've built a very good bullpen, though. We'll see. I think this is, this is one where you're going to see a lot of, a lot of – uh, 
extra trips to the mound and to the bullpen and and all that. And if you know if the Dodgers uh, stick around. Before we get your beer pick of the week, what are you working on uh, later this week at Fangraphs? Uh, right now, I've got the gamer tonight for the Diamondbacks Brewers game, and then I'm hoping to put together a uh, Tim Wakefield tribute for 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 Friday here. Um, yeah, that's. Uh, uh, that's what it's going to be here. I got you. All right, we'll look forward to that. And, yeah, sad, sad stuff about uh, Tim Wakefield passing away here just a few days ago, and I'm happy you brought that up and looking forward to your tribute. Let's wrap it up. Beer pick of the week, Jay. Okay. Uh, this is going back to one that I've uh, had uh, probably talked about on this show here a few times, uh, but uh, it's what's in my fridge right now, and it's the one I thought of right now. So uh, this is Other Half Green City. Uh, they're double dry, t- dry hopped, hazy IPA. My wife just brought home a, a four-pack of this for us uh, last night, and uh, uh, just really good stuff. Um, you know, I, like I said, I, I think I've, I've, I haven't been drinking a ton of IPAs lately, but this one is certainly one w- worth making a, an exception for. It's got Centennial and Citra and Simcoe hops. All the good, all the good old school ones here. Uh, nice and fruity, not too bitter. Uh, creamy head, uh, really a pleasure of a beer to drink. Six point eight percent ABV. Does that mean you drink a, a couple or uh, just one for you? Now that uh, one, you know, one, one, and done, one and done on that. Then if I'm having a second beer, I move on to something lighter. But fair uh, enough. I, I enjoy that one while I can. All right, Jay. Good stuff as always. Appreciate it. We'll do it again with you right back here next week. All right, sounds great, Steve. Thanks. Jay Jaffe, folks, as we continue on Sports Talk. Kate McConnell, if you tell me back with us, the Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. Friend of the show, Jim Ward, uh, as we come back from the break, King Yourself, the name of the track, as we continue here on Sports Talk, 15 in front of five. Adrian, good stuff with Jay, and uh, I, I was telling Cade uh, during the break, hey, if minor fans want to call in, we've got them for three hours. Any question you have for Cade McConnell, this would be the time to ask. That's exactly right. Uh, Cade is uh, very forthcoming. He's honest. Uh, he gives it to you straight up. And uh, this is your time, if you're a listener right now, to call into the show uh, to get your takes from him. And maybe Cade will throw some questions at us, Steve. Maybe he'll throw some questions over to Jeff Erickson. I know he probably uh, follows the NFL week in and week out, just like all of us. So, uh, you know, he's sticking around for a while. Maybe he'll contribute with us as well. Please, he's on his phone right now handling fantasy football during nice. part of the show. So I'm sure he's got fantasy football questions for Jeff Erickson from Rotowire, who will join us coming up next hour. Awesome. I can't wait. I mean, how do you not have questions with fantasy football, right? Every week. Every week, every minute, every day, you can't get enough of it. In fact, uh, tell Jeff uh, that question that you were given from one of your fantasy co- or, uh, fellow owners who's trying to sell you on a uh, situation with the Rams. Right, right. Well, I mean, I was approaching him about ready to talk about a trade. Now, he has Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup on his IR. So he's got both of them. I said, so who's going to be better? And he was trying to sell me that they're both going to be 100-yard receivers and they're both going to have great production and split 35 points a game between them. And I was like, what What world are we living in right now? A that, fantasy world. Exactly. It's fantasy football. That's right. <laughs> you're right. You're right. 
Uh, Adrian's a huge Rams fan. So if you really want to ask the the source, uh, Adrian, uh, I'm sure will give you a good answer. But so will Jeff when he joins us uh, coming up on the show. And I'm excited about that. Look, almost all of us play fantasy football in some way, shape, or form, whether it's a free league, a money league. We all do that. It's a lot of fun. And the free leagues are sometimes the most fun because if you're not making any money, then it truly shows you you're playing just for the fun of it, for the enjoyment of it. That's what it's all about. Yeah. And, you know, and we're playing, you know, whether you're playing with teammates or family and stuff like that in those free leagues, um, you're playing for bragging rights, right? You're playing yep. to send a text in the group chat that says, hey, guess what my team just did to yours this week. So um, it can get pretty fun in the locker room. We've got a caller for you right now as we can Continue with Cade McConnell, 505-6009. First up is Cruz, uh, who joins us on the show. Cruz, welcome aboard. You're on the phones with Cade. Thanks a lot, bud. Hey, Cade, uh, I'm wondering if you have any idea about what could be wrong with the team, What uh, uh, maybe an idea that we, they could try that could work and, and what might be the problem, you know, just uh, just. What have you noticed? What are you thinking? What's your opinion? Yeah, I think that's a good question. But, um, you know, when I think about that, I don't think necessarily what's wrong. I think of what are we not making happen? What are we not executing? You know, when you go back and watch the film, you don't think of it like the outsiders looking in of what's what's wrong with the offense right now. You think of what did we have there or what could we have had that we didn't take advantage of? And that's what you're trying to maximize. And, and throughout every single game, And I may sound like a broken record on the show today. I might, I might, but I'm going to continue to say it because it's the truth. There are plays there, there are things there, and there are great things that are happening in this offense. And there's clearly a bunch of great things that are happening on the defense. We just have to take advantage of them. And there are are plays every game, there are drives every game where there's a lot of opportunity for the talent and for everything that you you guys on the media on the outside have talked about to to excel, to show up, uh, to make happen. And we have done a bad job of executing as well as we could have. And we need to take advantage of more of those opportunities. If you really watch the game closely, there's plenty of big plays that could be touchdowns. Um, there's, there's opportunities underneath for just confidence builder drive plays that could be good chunk plays. There, there's all those things left out on the field. And as an offense, we just have to be better at taking advantage of those things. And that's what we're working on right now. Yeah, it seems like at times, you know, synchronicity is just not quite there. And, you know... I'm wondering, you know, there's something that we can do that, that will help. You know, the, um, it's just uh, well, frustrating, uh, even for us, you know. Cruz, we appreciate it. Yep, I get you, and I get the frustration, and I, and I thank you for the call. And you said something interesting in your first answer to Cruz, and that is maybe a couple confidence builders, just little things that can build up, and all of a sudden, as a quarterback, you hit a couple passes in a row, you get into a little bit of a rhythm, and then the offense just flows better once, you, once, you've, once you've had a chance to, to make a couple completions. Yeah, I mean, that's part of the offense. That's what you see throughout, you know, all levels of football. And that's the name of the game for offense is like, can can we execute? Can we do the things that offenses need to do in order to get the ball rolling? And every single one of us wants to see more of that. Cade, when it comes to this team, and, and you talked about some of the positives, on that final drive for you, um, if minor fans don't remember last Friday against La Tech, you moved the ball down the field. The question I have is, why was it difficult early on for uh, this team to move the ball up the field in the passing game specifically? The miners struggled to get any passing yards in that game, and uh, for you, you found success in the passing game in just one drive. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, it's always a little bit different in a two-minute situation. In a two-minute situation, you know, you go hurry up, you're trying to go fast. Maybe the defense is in a little more of a prevent, and they're just worried about not giving up a touchdown and as opposed to trying to stop and get a three and out. There's a lot of different factors. You know, one of them was that we had three different quarterbacks play in the game. All three of us are different, and Coach Dimmel knows that. So, you know, maybe the ways that the, the plays get out there are going to be different and, you know, best suited to each of us. Um, so I think the passing game, you know, being able to move the ball down the field a little bit was a little bit situational. Um, maybe it worked out in my favor and the, and the, the defense gave me some looks that I was comfortable with or, and made some good reads. Um, and, you know, other previously in the game, you know, Jake and Kevin have their strengths too that were tailor-made. So, you know, game script and how plays get out on the field um, can be volatile in the sense of the type of plays that get out there. And a lot of that just depends on what happens in the game. And the crazy thing is when you came in for your first play, it was 4th and 14 at the Louisiana Tech 21. And I mean, I, I know there was just over... Uh, I think at the time there was just over or under four minutes left to go. You're down two scores, but if you convert and you get that ball into the end zone, it's a one touchdown game, and suddenly you're thinking, you know what? If we get a shot, we have a, we have an opportunity here. Yeah, absolutely, and that was exactly what I was thinking as I went in there. Um, and trust me, I want nothing more in the world than for our team to have converted on that fourth down. Uh, we had a good look. We had we had a decent play called. Um, I could have done some stuff better and checked us into a little bit better of a route um, on fourth and fourteen there when they brought cover zero all out blitz. Um, you know the routes we had were not bad. Uh, I could have just gotten to something maybe slightly different, a little better to run away from the DB um, and that's on me you know what I mean that's on me and whether that's the first play that I came in for or whether I've been in the whole game you still gotta you still gotta see all that stuff so we actually had a receiver open a little more in the slot than than Kelly was over the middle um, just by the route design but with cover zero pressure I kind of had to choose one of them and ended up choosing the guy over the center of the ball instead of the guy in the slot in your last drive you went all the way to the four yard line was there ever a position on those last two plays where you thought okay I'm going to just try to run this one in and see if we can get a score late you know I, I, that did cross my mind for about half a second when I had to decide there you only you only get about two or three seconds to really think about okay what am I going to do here you know this type of situation um, there was a couple of plays where I got to think about what I was about to call in those two minute situations more because of the roughing the passer penalty and then reviewing some plays but other than that your mind's going real quick so that did cross my mind, but I was—I didn't think about rushing the ball for too long. Just with the clock ticking down, I didn't want to risk going down in bounds. Cade, your record is what it is. It's—it's it's one in five right now. But despite that, you can't—you can't think in your head, "Oh, this season's over by any means," because that's why you wake up every day, and that's why you're a Division One college football player with this team. How how do you try to maintain kind of a positive, upbeat, uh, you know, vibe in the locker room as now somebody who's maybe taking on a little bit more of a leadership role here? Yeah, it's it's hard, you know, being one in five is not good, but you said it exactly that you have to wake up every day being positive, being energetic, excited to go to work in, an, in, in a sense, you know, you can't do anything different than that. The moment that you, you know, check out or you say it's over or you lose belief in yourself or you lose belief in the team. I mean, why are you out there? You know, I understand that sometimes minor nation can be frustrated, but they should be even they should be way more frustrated if all of their players check out. And I can promise you this. Not a single one of our players is checked out. Every single one of us wants to go there. We want to win bad. We want to do good for the teammates around us, for the coaches that we play for, for the fans that we play in front of. And so 
every single day we're going to come up, we're going to come up positive. We're going to come up confident. We're going to give it everything we have. And that's the least we could give to the entire city of El Paso. And I feel like because this is such a veteran team, guys want to go out on top. They obviously don't want to go out with a, with a real disappointing season. Right. I mean, you add to that, like there's players that are team that are going to have NFL chances at, at the very least NFL chances. And, and there's definitely going to be some of them that get an opportunity. It's on all of us around them too to bring up this team even more, to give them more of a platform to go on to the next level we're all brothers in that locker room and there's there's guys out there you know like gavin and t knight and praise and and, and the list goes on that are going to have chances to get into the nfl i mean it's on all of us our job especially you know me as a little bit of a younger guy we got to lift up this team to give them a better platform to go on and live their dreams at the next level and make money and provide for their families and everything else that, that is just you know sitting on cloud nine i mean that's that's the tip top of the mountain we got to help them get there too UTEP's Cade McConnell with us uh, here inside our 600 ESPN El Paso, River Oaks property, Schoolyard Sports Studios. He's talking under center with us. We'll do that till 7 o'clock. And coming up uh, in about 25 minutes, Jeff Erickson, fantasy football talk as well. So he send us your questions for Cade, for Jeff, and uh, for us, 600 ESPN El Paso, or you can get into the show at 505-6009. More in a moment as we continue at 600 ESPN El Paso. From the 600 ESPN El Paso River Oaks Property Schoolyard Sports Studio, here's Steve Kaplowitz and Adrian Broadus. Ah, the great Ronnie James Dio, who we lost uh, a few years back. Saw him live at the Haskins Center years ago with Motorhead and Iron Maiden. What a show that was. Last show I took, that was the last concert I took my dad to. So. My dad passed away shortly after that, and uh, I just remember he went went to the concert, and and he's listening to Dio. He's like, I know all these songs. I'm like, yes, you know all these songs. You're a rocker. You've been listening to the queue. You know all of these tunes. That's exactly what it's about. You know, tomorrow night at the Haskins Center, the Foo Fighters are coming. Sold out show. They sold the Foo Fighters out before the pre-sale ended. Cade McConnell with us here, UTEP quarterback for the remainder of the program. He joined us in hour number one. He's here as well right now. You a Foo Fighters fan? I mean, who isn't? Number one. Number two, I just want to know if they have an extra uh, backstage pass for a quarterback on the UTEP football team. This is the kind of show. Let me give, Let me tell you something. This is the kind of show where you just need to casually wander somehow into the Haskins Center tomorrow during the sound check and just have an opportunity to be in the right place at the right time. I think that's a great idea. You might see me there. <laughs> I, Act like you know what you're doing there. Right. Yes. Act like you own the place. Might work out in your favor. Yeah, I, I, think, that's a, uh, I think that's a really, really good idea. Okay, so, well, it might go into effect. <laughs> okay, and if you do, tell us all about it. Be like, you know, I'm sure, listen, you must know the, the back entrances to some of these places. You're, you know, you're on the football team. You probably have all these facilities mapped out perfectly. You just, you just got to know when to be in the right, right place, right time. I hope it can happen. <laughs> can you play the drums? Yeah, I can. I, I'll, I'll get out there and play a little guitar for them. It'll go. be all good. Yeah, that'll be good. I'm, I'm sure that'll, that'll you know, go over well for you, too. Yeah. All right. Beautiful. Anyway, um, if you want to get into the show and, and talk to Cade, 505-6009. Fantasy football talk coming up here into hour number two. Jeff Erickson will be uh, dropping in about 15 minutes from now. Uh, if you weren't able to watch or attend last Friday's UTEP football game, it started with um, Kevin Hurley at quarterback, 
and Jake McNamara. They kind of rotated in. Uh, and then Jake scored his touchdown run. He got in on the, on the score, gets hurt on the subsequent drive. Kevin Hurley then assumes the quarterback role. He gets dinged late in the game. And lo and behold, Cade here, who uh, has joined us throughout the course of the season, is thrust into his first action of the year and his first action of his career as a D1 quarterback. Might not have been the situation you hope for. You want to be up 24-10, not down 24-10, but you had two drives. You picked up a fourth down to start uh, deep in La Tech territory. Then you drove him 88 yards on your second drive, had the opportunity to get your taste and really, I, I guess, like you know, get your feet wet, so to speak, for D1 uh, game action was the the series you're in. Did did the game itself, the speed, the players themselves feel any different to you than what you've played your entire life? Uh, no, it, it didn't. To be completely honest with you, it, it felt like you know all the games that I've played in previously. Obviously, this was a bigger stage. Obviously, it was better football at the Division One level. Um, but it felt like I went in there that it was just something you have to go do. It was you, you're thrust into the situation. How are you going to adapt? How are you going to feel and perform? Um, I wasn't particularly nervous. I didn't feel like, oh my gosh, this is my first time in there. It was kind of roll with the flow and, and take on the game as it goes. Um, and personally, you know, it was it was a big moment for me and you know my career. Um, you know, talking shout out to my parents. I love them. They're the best parents who just celebrated their 25th anniversary. By the way, happy anniversary, McConnell family. Thank you, thank you for them. But um, um, yeah, so that I have amazing parents and, and they were talking to me after the game and they're like, we're just so happy for you that, you know, that was your first little taste of division one football. Um, and I've grown up loving this game and wanting to do exactly this. You know, I, I grew up saying, I never grew up saying I necessarily wanted to be in the NFL. I always talked about college football because dad played college football quarterback at the division one level. I wanted to be like dad. Um, and I got, and I got to do that and it's pretty cool. And it's also really cool that now I get to sit here in front of you and talk about it for myself from my, through my own eyes, instead of, you know, somebody that was standing on the sideline or talking about practices or with the headset or anything else, I actually get to talk to you about what happened in the game. So I'll ask you this. Um, when you're back to pass and you are getting pursued by the defense, whether it's safeties, linebackers, defensive ends, whatever, whatever it is, how difficult is it to sense how close they are to you as they start to close in. And I've always wondered that because, you know, you're you're thinking about delivering a pass, looking to spot the open receiver, and sometimes you have to sacrifice your body as you release it or you get hit as you release it. Is it difficult for quarterbacks to really have that that extra sixth sense when they can tell when someone is really starting to converge on them and getting ready to make a hit? Uh, the short answer is yes, it is really difficult. And you put it perfectly. It's like a sixth sense. It is really indescribable. And it comes through, I think, God-given talent and through having a lot of reps playing the quarterback position. You have to be able to feel all of it without actually seeing. I mean, you'll watch games where quarterbacks will step away from a rush and they're not. It's behind them. You know, they can't see it. So it is difficult. Um, but it's part of the game and it's part of the job. It's a real feel position. And as your eyes are down the field and trying to decipher every little movement that a defender making you know 20 yards downfield a twitch of the head or a twitch of the hips you also have to feel the thousands of pounds that are moving around you um, with all those big linemen uh, and it is and it is tough but um, it's something that you got to do and the quarterbacks that are really good at it can give themselves a huge advantage because you can give yourself an extra half a second in there and if you got the guts to take the hit and stand in there in the pocket then hopefully you can get, deliver a really good ball as opposed to you know having to scramble or do other things obviously it was two drives Cade but w- afterward I'm sure you all broke down 
around film and even you you got a chance to see your own film and what you saw how would you scout yourself off the last drive like where can you get better what'd you like from yourself on that drive when you got a chance to watch it back on film yeah I'm actually really happy you asked that question because you know there there has been a lot of positivity talked about a lot of it but there's also so many things better that I could have done with the first play that I went on fourth down and on the next drive I mean let's just run through it real quick fourth down we didn't convert on the fourth and 14 or fourth and 13. Um, and I, I said earlier, you know, I could have given a win route or something like that where we have like a slant or a moving route to stay away from a defender against cover zero. Could have been something a little better there. Then you go to the next drive. Um, started off with an incompletion, but then the very next play had a good uh, completion to Jeremiah Ballard down the sideline. Um, it was a good read and a good throw by me, but if I kept it more in bounds, he has a lot of room to run after the catch instead of having to you know, make a really good catch by him over the shoulder and go out of bounds. Um, so there's something with that. You know, If I throw it to Marcus Bellin later in the drive, we had a rollout play where a guy was going to the flat. If I give him the ball a little bit earlier, he has a little bit more room to run. Maybe he gets in the end zone on that play instead of having to go out on the four-yard line um, a little bit earlier. Um, I missed Marcus on a dig route, a play or two before that, uh, where it was just a little bit out in front of him. And there, and there's a lot of stuff going on, right? Football is controlled chaos. And in the off, you're only as good of an offense as you can be when, when they're, you're controlling all those different aspects and things moving. Um, and there's guys getting tired during two minute drills. There's pieces moving, going fast. There's no water breaks. There's no huddling. There's no plays getting called, uh, by coach D or anything like that. Like it's, it's a very fast moving pace. And there was plenty of things down the drive that I could have done differently. So what you got to do as a quarterback is take the good away from that. And then all the little things that you could have done better, you got to put it in your pocket and take it for the next game, try to improve. At least you didn't have a leaf blower in your ears during the game when you were going in. That's uh, that's always difficult to try to deal with too, right? The, the leaf blower right now might have rattled me more than LaTeX defense. I believe it. I know. We, we're used to either leaf blowers, uh, vacuum cleaners, EAS uh, weather updates. It's just a whole mixed bag. After hours here. Here at 4180 North Mesa. This huh? is what happens when you spend a full three-hour show with us. You get a little bit of everything. We just try to incorporate it into the program. It, so. it, it's no different than a two-minute drive, though. i got to adapt here. i gotta, I got to lock it back in. Now, um, statistic-wise, if you look at – now, if you didn't see your drive and you just look at your stats, you're like, four of 11. Like, yeah, four of 11. It means you missed seven balls and you completed four. So first reaction is, hey, I want to see a quarterback complete 60% or more, or preferably 65% of their passes, and, and not anything less. So, again, we only saw one drive really from you because the fourth down play was one play. But I'm sure for you, you're thinking to yourself, okay, if I'm getting another opportunity to do this, I have to try to complete 60% or more of my passes. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's – the goal um you know i've always been told that completions win games in football as a quarterback completions win games the more completions you have the better the offense is going to move the ball down the field whether it's pushing the ball down the field or taking the easy stuff short completions win games and four of 11 isn't going to get it done by any stretch of the imagination like i said a little different in two minute when you're trying to do things and you're only passing the ball but simply you got to be at 60 percent. there's a whole you know lot, lot longer to go um and that's the other thing, too. You know, it was one play and one drive. It was a good moment. We got to move the ball down the field, but we still didn't get the ball in the end zone right there. Um, I can do a whole lot of different things better and, and have to build on what's going on here. That was just a small tidbit. There's a long way to go. I like the two-minute drill. I've always liked the two-minute drill. I wish we saw more two-minute offense on this football team, not just in the final two minutes of the football game. I've talked about that with Dana Dimmel the last few years and said, I know there's a risk because if you go quick and you're three and out, it, it 
taxes the defense to have to go back out on the field and do it again. But I, there's something to be said about a fast-tempo offense that strikes quickly and doesn't give the defense a chance to really set up and catch their breath. And if you're able to really get it down, it could be a pretty effective offense. And I guess I wish we would incorporate more two-minute fast-paced uh, you know, or quick-tempo uh, offenses into the game plan. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a time and place for moving fast with the ball. I mean, some offenses do that strictly. They they go fast all the time. Uh, I've been in an offense like that myself back in high school. We ran so fast all the time, and then I went huddle in junior college and huddled up even everybody with the receivers, and now we're in a little bit of a mix. You know, receivers lined up out wide and offensive linemen, tight ends, running backs, quarterbacks in the huddle. So I've, I've done it all. I've done everything different. There's a time and a place for everything, and I'm going to be ready for no matter what gets thrown out there. El Paso Visuals Deportivos uh, gets into the program at 600 ESPN El Paso with this message. I made a few photos of Cade McConnell throwing, and when looking at the photos and how he throws the ball, I thought, this guy played baseball a lot growing up. He has a high leg kick, and it looks like he throws the ball hard. Can you ask him if my presumptions are true? Well, half and half. I don't know if I like the high leg kick for a quarterback, but I will say that I did play a lot of baseball growing up. It was my uh, main sport going into high school um, and then really took over during high school. But I will also say one more thing. I would love to get those photos from you. Me too. Because I don't have a whole lot of photos from the game. Uh, There was a couple out there, but I would also love to see those and love to shout you out. El Paso Visuals, why don't you go ahead and uh, and send us some of those on social and um, make sure that the ones with the leg kick. I want to see the leg kick you're talking about. And then you can also tag Cade, who is uh, up on either Twitter or X, at Cade underscore McConnell. That is at Cade underscore McConnell. So I'm like you. I want to. I want to see some of these. Uh, see some of these photos. Me that too. Me too. The uh, the mechanics are always a work in progress. By the way, I also want them to know that too. I'm a, uh, quarterbacks can always be refining, but I still got a long way to go for the play, and I got a long way to go in my mechanics. We're always making improvements. Fair enough. All right, uh, we'll keep things moving as we keep uh, the show going, but we'll do a little fantasy football next. Jeff Erickson from Rotowire is going to join us as we continue. But first, let's uh, swing it on out to Charlie One and get ourselves this traffic update. Quarter past here uh, in our five o'clock hour Steve, a few uh, trouble spots right now we're going to start off on the east side where we have a crash that's uh, still working right now edgemere and tower arms we have a crash back here on sports talk as we continue well, I, uh, did you? Are you playing Run DMC because that's Jeff Erickson's theme song? Is that why? Oh, it should be. It should be. Let's find out if uh, Jeff grew up a big Run DMC fan when he was in high school uh, back in the day. Uh, Jeff, were you, in fact, Jeff Erickson from RotoWire dot com into Run DMC when its tricky first uh, debuted? Maybe not when it first debuted, but yes, eighties uh, hip hop. Yes. Yeah, uh, I did like that. Um, I liked. I, I used to say I went through a rap phase, um, and Run DMC. I mean, Run DMC was the crossover group. I mean, 
Yeah, with with Aerosmith there, I mean, that, that brought over a lot of people, self-included. Uh, a lot of suburban boys got into it then. That's right. The Walk This Way, that's that's exactly right. But the song we just played, it's tricky. I mean, we're talking about... Same pro- album. That's right. Lyrics like, I met a little girly, her hair was kind of curly. I mean, where else are we going to hear stuff like that? Come on, I'm, I appreciate you didn't continue on that, by the way. Um, <laughs> I know how it goes. That's why I stopped. Exactly. <laughs> You're from New York. I, I think you probably knew them pretty pretty well, I imagine. So. They were they were fun back in the day. Yes, absolutely right. Uh, Fantasy-wise, we've got uh, right now bye weeks starting in the NFL. So Cleveland, the Chargers, uh, the C. Hawks and the Bucks all on buys this week. Um, it's really when you got to start uh, planning accordingly, especially if you put a roster together and you didn't pay enough attention to those bye weeks. Or you threw caution in the wind and said, screw it, I'm going to do it anyhow. Is kind of my approach. You know, I, I don't, I mean, I, I, yes, in super flex leagues, you don't want to have quarterbacks in the same bye week. I, I, I did make that mistake in one league, but I, my third one got hurt, so it, so it goes. But, um, yeah, it, it, I do have a lot of leagues where I have Justin Herbert and I didn't draft a backup, so I'm looking for that, uh, that, that stream for this one, one week. So I'm finding myself rostering Sam Howell quite a bit, home game on Thursday night against the Bears. Um, in desperate times, desperate straits, I did pick up Zach Wilson against the Broncos in one league because, I mean, if that's going to be uh, – at least it's a good matchup, and Wilson showed some sign of life this past week. Uh, one other league, I was able to still find C.J. Stroud out there. So, I mean, varying levels of available replacements for that one given week. But if you drafted an early quarterback, chances are you didn't draft a second one unless you had deep bench spots. How did you find Stroud? How was that even possible? Um uh, <laughs> Lucky, I guess, that, uh, you know, the league wasn't, you know, value taken on them, didn't believe, or is just like not enough roster spots to, to stash them. I think that's usually it. Uh, a lot of Yahoo leagues only have four or five man benches. So in, in those situations, you can find a decent replacement sometimes. If you have questions right now for Jeff, uh, send them to us at 600 ESPN El Paso. That is at 600 ESPN El Paso. Cade McConnell's joining us for this segment, Jeff. He is uh, on, right now, he is uh, practicing uh, with the number one reps for UTEP at quarterback, who, by the way, made the trip to Northwestern, your alma mater, and had the opportunity to, uh, to be part of that game and, and see Northwestern Stadium firsthand. Yeah, and uh, all of its glory. Uh, it's not a pretty stadium, but someday it'll. Uh, you know, we, we there are plans in place to upgrade there. Uh, we'll see what the latest uh, boondoggle with Pat Fitzgerald's going to do uh, to those plans. But uh, yeah, that was uh, that was that was a good game for NU. Good second half, at least. Was the stadium uh, like Jeff described it, Cade, uh, or did you would you feel like oh, this felt like a Big Ten stadium? Uh, it, it was a cool stadium, don't get me wrong, but it was a little different. You know, the f- the field is it's cool. It's kind of sunken in, but they have a you won't really maybe you won't see it on TV, but on the sidelines it really dips off really fast. Yep. I'm like, oh, someone could really hurt themselves right there. And then the arc above the uh, the stands up there in that second level is it's like a small little you know arc second level. I've never seen that in a stadium. It was a little bit weird. It kind of threw me off. Yeah, it, it, it's 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 an older stadium. It's a very old stadium, and you know. 
from a fan standpoint, uh, it definitely needs upgrading, you know, concessions, restrooms, things of that nature. Uh, you know, but, uh, you know, hey, it's, it, you know, it, it does have character, that's for sure. But there's been a lot of money poured into any facilities, the, the practice facility. I don't know if you got a chance to see that. Um, and then uh, the, the basketball arena has been recently updated as well. So uh, a lot of money being poured into NU athletics now. Jeff Erickson with us, rotowire.com, as we continue with our fantasy football chat. Now, Cade, you were talking to a buddy of yours, some possible trade talks involving Rams receivers. Throw this scenario at Jeff, and maybe he can really give you some good advice uh, as far as who to pursue. Jeff, I'm, I'm really excited I'm on here with you because we're, we're going to have some good, good tough talks here about some stuff. But I, I came at um, a fellow league mate today, and I said he has Cooper Cup on his IR, and he actually spent all of his fab budget for the waiver wire on Puka Nakua. So he has both of them. And I said, all right, Andrew, who who's going to be better here? How is the rest of the season going to play out for both of these receivers? And I wanted him to give me that answer first before I propose some trade talks. And he was trying to tell me, that both of them are going to be 100-yard receivers. They may just vary in touchdowns, and there's going to be 35 points to split between the two. Can you let Andrew know what, what, what is actually going to happen here? I think they're going to find a role for Nakua. He is that good that, he, that you can't take the genie completely. You can't put it completely back in the bottle. But certainly you got to expect that there's going to be at least some sort of downgrade. Um a little bit there. Now, I don't think Cup plays this week. He's designated to return to practice this week, but he hasn't been officially activated from the IR, and given that he aggravated the hamstring coming back too quickly last time, I suspect you're going to see him practice this week and then be activated next week. Um, kind of an easy-in process there. I don't know. It is a big game against the Eagles, but I think it's they got to think long run in the case of Cup, given that he had a setback before. I think there's a role for both, but certainly Nakua is going to have to take a drop back. He was a, he's a top ten fantasy guy, right? Top ten fantasy receiver right now. Uh, that's not going to continue. But you know, the, the regress to what is always the tricky question. Right, you know, and I don't I don't think Cooper Cup plays this week either, and I think that that's smart for the Rams. Um, you know the. The two options that I see are both of them are going to be pretty good because Puka's been that good and, and maybe Cup will be slightly better than him and be favored as the number one receiver, but they'll both be in tandem, kind of like the rest of the league's duos with Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, and so on. Or Puka takes a real step back and Cooper Cup goes back to getting his 15 targets, and then there's just another really reliable second option. And we've started to yeah, see... Far better than Van Jefferson, far better than, you know, I think Tutu Atwell, for instance, really gets hurt by a Cup's return. I think he's the guy that you can really kind of downgrade quite a bit. Absolutely. I, I completely agree with that. And on top of that, we've started to see, I think, a little bit, you know, it, it, there's only been a couple games so far in the year, so maybe it's too early to tell, but there's been a couple of tandems in the league where the the number one receiver has taken a pretty big step forward within the first couple of games, like Devonta Smith with A.J. Brown. There's been one game where Devonta Smith has been over 100 yards and one game where he's come close to it, but he's taken a, a pretty solid backseat in these first couple of games to A.J. Brown. Same thing with Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle. Now, Jalen Waddle was out for a game, but Tyreek Hill's really stepped up above him, and Jalen Waddle has not been great right now. Very underwhelming for people that drafted him in the you know second round, maybe early third round, and I'm afraid that maybe that's what happens with Puka too. I could understand that, but I'll say as a rejoinder about Waddle, he had a touchdown pass overturned last week, completely changed the shape of that game, uh, unrelated penalty on that one there. Um, you know, it, the, the, the plays that didn't happen that happened, you know, it doesn't even count as a target. Uh, you, you realize that, oh, he actually was a little bit more involved. Uh, 
But we'll see. Uh, you know, it, I, I, I'm wondering if Buffalo exposed Miami a little bit there with the amount of pressure they were able to generate. Of course, no Terran Armstead, their left tackle. Uh, it was pretty much directly correlated with when he got hurt is when the pass rush started to really click for the Bills. So we'll see uh, what that does to all their receiving options. Uh, the other guy that's really gotten hurt by A.J. Brown is, is uh, Dallas Goddard. I think that's also because they're running the ball so effectively. DeAndre Swift is a different type of back than the backs that they used to have. Jeff, when it comes to other receivers on the same line and, and available receivers, Jamison Williams is back this week for Detroit. How does that impact their receiving core? It gives them a, a speed option that they didn't have. Um, it, it's great in the long term. I think you'll see about 15 snaps this week in his return. Dan Campbell's already said he's not going to get a full set of snaps. Uh, he's or you know Williams is an unfinished product. You know he in in training camp. The coaching staff was suggesting that uh, Williams needs to work more on his craft, specifically catching the ball. You know, it seems like a prerequisite for the job. Uh, so I, I kind of want to see a little bit more. I don't want to add him in my leagues, but he's a stash. And it's tough to stash when you've got guys on by. I have a league where you know I have Keenan Allen and D.K. Metcalf. It's a tough week to go add a receiver that's not going to play. Uh, but you know you, you do your best to try to find out if see see what you can, Dad. I mean sometimes you just have to stash them in your lineup and take the hit for one week and see if uh, long term there's a decent amount of upside. If you've got a question for Jeff Erickson, send it our way. Uh, that's uh, six hundred ESPN El Paso. That's at six hundred ESPN El Paso, and we'll read it on air. Keep things moving. Right after Adrian brought us back with this bottom of the hour Sports Center update much uh, we're back right now with jeff erickson from rotowire.com if you've got a fantasy football question this is the time to uh, send that into us uh, by the way uh jeff being the cincinnati bengal diehard like you are it's been a rough year man jamar chase and you think about joe burrow what is it is it just that burrow is is just playing hurt and it's affecting his week-to-week play right now on the field especially in fantasy yeah 100 percent. well i think it is um yeah i don't think he's you know, the coaching staff kind of pushed back a little bit and said he needs to play better, and it's probably true he does, but I think he's conscious of the calf. You know, and I think the big – he even said like he, he gains some value by being able to escape the rush and make plays with his legs, and he just can't do that right now. So it's not just evading the rush. It's also like gaining those first downs after he gets flushed out of the pocket. That's something that's just not happening right now. I, it also means he's trying to get get rid of the ball quicker, which kind of cuts down a lot on the downfield throws, double moves, things of that nature. Waiting second and third reads, and it's just a matter of one, two, go. You know, and uh, you know, it, 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 the NFL tough with the the way the speed of the game is. That it, when you're compromised like that, it's nasty that you get exposed pretty quickly. Um, you know, the, I think there's a lot of bold talk this week uh, by the Bengals. They're calling it a must-win game, and. My goodness, I hope they're right. But um, Jamar Chase in the preseason said that, you know, Burrow should wait till week five to come back and seems pretty prescient right now saying that. Let's talk about uh, Jonathan Taylor for a minute. Uh, back practicing and he's got, uh, you know, his teammates have his back. I, I, you know, we don't know if he's going to be activated yet, although if, he, if the Colts do activate him, you have to figure they're going to play him if they don't trade him. This is a really interesting situation to monitor heading into week five where the Colts play Tennessee, isn't it? Yeah, uh, uh, Shane Steichen said there's a chance that uh, Taylor plays this week, but wouldn't commit to it. And here's the thing: like uh, Cup, they you know practicing is one thing; actually being activated from the pup list is another. This is they have a 21 day window to decide whether when to activate him. 
if and when. Um, I suspect that it'll come down to the wire this week, and I wouldn't be surprised if he sits out one more week. But if he does play, they probably I think they have to do so like 24 hours before game time, so that would be Saturday. So we'll find out by then, probably if he gets off the pup list this particular week. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think – you know, Taylor is in a position where he ha- kind of has to play to get his service time, so I suspect it's going to happen soon. But, yeah, but the way Zach Moss has been running the ball, wouldn't you expect uh, Zach to still get probably about 60 to 75% of the of the carries? Initially, maybe, sure. Or long-term, no. Um, you know, and Moss, you know, he has a long history of, you know, being really good for three or four games and then getting hurt. Um, you know, uh, you know, this dates back to when he was at Utah. Uh, the same sort of scenario happened. Very talented player, uh, you know, and it's good that he's being get, given a chance to kind of flourish here, and including catch, catching some passes. Yeah. Two weeks ago, that wheel route against the Ravens was something I didn't know he had in his tool set. Really impressive uh, that he was able to do that. But I do question whether he can maintain, and I, I, I think Taylor still might be a cut above, even despite how well Moss has played. Uh, I think the Colts' offensive line is a lot healthier this year than it was last year, and that makes a big difference in how any running back is going to look. All right, let's talk about some of the uh, some of your favorite plays this week in fantasy. Are there certain players you absolutely love because of the matchups? Uh, yeah, there are. Um, I, I would say that I really like Brees Hall this week. Uh, finally, they've said he's not going to be on a pitch count any longer um, in perfect timing because you want to go up against the Broncos. Uh, this is... You know, we we saw the Bears, uh, you know, move the ball up and down the field. I mean, they they got in their own way and lost the game, but still, they Justin Fields had his best day. Khalil Herbert was unstoppable until that fourth down play. Um, I, I think he's. I think Hall's going to have a day. Uh, I think this is the first week that we're really going to get full value out of Hall since week one. Um, I, I don't think we're going to see a whole lot of Dalvin Cook. I don't think Cook has a whole lot left in the tank. You might even see Michael Carter before Cook this week, so we'll see about that. Um, I like uh, Brian Robinson against the Bears. I think he's another uh, really good play this week, top ten play this week. Um, uh, you know, I, I think those are two guys that are really going to do well from the running back spot. Uh, Quarterback-wise, uh, we, we mentioned that earlier, but Sam Howell's a good stream option. If you've got Herbert, if you've got Geno Smith on by this week, looking for a quarterback. Um, I, I think I'm going to be pretty cautious with Burrow at Arizona, though. Even though the opponent is pretty inviting, I'm still a little concerned. I do think Chase gets a ton of targets regardless, though. It'll be a lot like the Monday night game against the Rams. You may not get deep balls, but he's going to get there on volume. Jeff, I have a quick question for you about the Bengals. You know, what what do fantasy managers do with Joe Burrow going forward? Not just particularly in this matchup against Arizona. Is he in your lineup right now? And then follow that up with, you know, what what do we expect from Jamar Chase? Are we trying to trade him away after maybe he has a ton of targets in this Arizona game? Are you holding on to him and just managing expectations? How are you approaching that rest of the season? Well, I don't think you can trade him because he's at the you know, the deer of his value. Um, you know, he, we saw the Tennessee game. Who's gonna Who's gonna pay up for Burrow after that? Uh, you know, it's gonna be an article of faith, and uh, you know, it's tough to do that and get full value. You can try, but unless you think he's gonna get shut down, I wouldn't do it. I mean, if you think he's gonna get shut down, yeah, then you get whatever you can for him. I think that's that's a trade off there. But you know, I, I don't. I, I'm trying not to play an uh, online doctor uh, because, you know, I, first of all, it's not my skill set, and secondly, you know, I just I don't have full information. Uh, but I'm trying to, you know, trying to guess like everybody else out there. Uh, I probably would wait to see if he has a good game and then try to sell him, or just maybe just you know park him on my bench for now and wait and just try to write it out. I have a league where I have Anthony Richardson. Uh, 
as well as Burrow. And I'm going to start Richardson this week over him. Uh, home game against Tennessee. The running yards that Richardson provides is a nice little base. Um, so I'll probably pivot there. But I think in a lot of cases you're not going to have a better alternative. Other disappointments uh, of the season, Jeff, do you look at uh, teams, you know, when, when you're starting to kind of stack up the groups, the Atlanta Falcons, when they're you talk about some of their receivers, they're just kind of boom or bust. I'm talking about Drake London, maybe Kyle Pitts in that mix. How do you evaluate those types of players right there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, with a lot of disgust, you know, at myself for even, like, thinking things would be different, the definition of insanity, uh, like, doing the same things and expecting different results. We, we, Arthur Smith's still the coach. We know Desmond Ritter is, is struggling a little bit right now. Maybe if they bring in Taylor Haneke, uh, which has been at least asked, the question has been asked this year, this week, uh, although he's, you know, Ritter's still got the dreaded vote of confidence there, so we'll see. But, you know, it's I, under, under the current format, I, it's hard to have faith week in, week out. Both London and Pitts are awesome players. Uh, Pitts might be a little compromised health-wise. Uh, there was a hint of that this week too, where uh, Smith said something to the effect that, and, you know, he's not making any excuses when asked if uh, Pitts is 100% coming back from that knee issue from last year. But it's not just the injury, though. It's the it's the uh, the offense that they run, uh, how they want to win games. They want to win games with running and defense. So that's with an occasional pass here and there, and they want to take advantage of Ritter's mobility. They don't like a lot of air yards, and we've seen Ritter uh, kind of frankly struggle on on balls uh, downfield, and for that matter, being able to evade the pass rush. Jeff, uh, this week, you know, there's a lot. There's guys on buys, and the running back situation across the league right now in fantasy is is pretty bad. Um, I'm in a league where I'm running back desperate. How do you feel about uh, Tyler Algier as a stream this week against Houston? Uh, there are worse options, and trust me, I've rostered them. Uh, I've been in situations like that where I've been even more desperate there. Yeah, I mean, I think Jaleel McLaughlin on the, on the uh, Broncos would be my first option if you can get him off the waiver wire, uh, That presuming that Javante Williams doesn't play, and I, I don't think he should this week. We'll see about that. I don't think it's a long-term injury, but McLaughlin, although it's a bad matchup against the Jets, at least you're going to get some volume and. The guy can play. I, I, I'm impressed with what I saw there. I uh, think he's a decent pass catcher. But Algier is, you know, he might steal some goal line carries. Uh, you know, he, uh, you know, because we just talked about the Falcons and how they like to win games. I think there'll be enough rushing volume that it, 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 it's a bi- he's a bye week play. This is why you roster him is for situations like this. Tell us a little bit about what's uh, happening right now for fantasy football fans at RotoWire.com, Jeff. So we have our, uh, I have my value meter, which every Thursday I'll do an update on. I, I posted it late last night, but uh, my initial ranks by position, you can see uh, we got an injury analysis uh, column from Jeff Stotts. It's always handy. Uh, Dan Marcus has a deep dive for waiver wire options there. Uh, and we'll, we'll have a lot of other like advanced stats articles as well you can check out. If you're in a survivor pool, we got you uh, covered as far as that goes as well. Baseball playoffs during our interview, um, Minnesota. It won their first playoff series since 2002. They beat uh, Toronto today 2 to nothing to advance to take on uh, the Houston Astros. Uh, we already have now the Rangers taking on the Baltimore Orioles after they polished off the Rays today. Um, any surprises with what you've seen so far early on in the postseason for the wild card round? Just that the uh, Rays having so much trouble scoring. Uh, one run in the two games combined. Pretty tough look. Uh, they struggled last year against Cleveland, but I, I will say this: they didn't have uh, Brandon Lowe. That hurt, that hurt a little bit taking a left-handed bat out against uh, t- pretty good uh, two pre- uh, you know two pretty good starters. 
Although Lowe would have struggled against Montgomery too on, in Game One, but uh, you know, just you know, the Rays, uh, you know, getting to the position they were is a, kind of a minor miracle when you consider they lost their top three starters. It's just you kind of expected uh, the, the offense to keep up, and they couldn't though. And that, you know, it's a two-game series; anything can happen. But uh, we'll see tonight. I mean, the uh, Diamondbacks getting that win. With uh, Brandon Fott going up against uh, against Corbin Burns, winning that matchup there, that was pretty big for the Diamondbacks. I'm with you on that one, and I'm looking forward to seeing who will uh, meet uh, the Braves and the Dodgers in the next round with those two National League Wild Card series. Should be a lot of fun. Good stuff as always, Jeff. Enjoyed the conversation. We'll look forward to doing it with you again right back here next week. You bet. Thanks, Steve. You got it. He's uh, Jeff Erickson from rotowire.com as we continue. More with Cade, and he'll take us up till 7 o'clock. In fact, if you've got questions for the uh, UTEP quarterback, 505-6009. You can also hit us up uh, on social media at 600 ESPN El Paso. As Sports Talk continues, it's 600 ESPN El Paso. Back here on Sports Talk 9 in front of 6 right now as we continue 505-6009. Cade McConnell's been with us all show. He'll be with us for the final hour as well. If you've got a question, now's the time to do it. 505-6009. Adrian Cade uh, just, he could have done that entire segment with yes. Jeff. You realize that, right? Yeah, I think we were just sitting back for a second, just uh, letting him cook out there. He was he was uh, getting in his bag. Uh, you know, Jeff Erickson said that earlier, getting in his bag. Cade McConnell got in his bag with the questions for fantasy football. Now you got to make some trades. Now that you have some advice from from Jeff, now you got to figure out exactly how to execute that in some, in some good deals. Right. Well, I always have to bring my A game in my league uh, from back home with some of the friends because we've been playing in it for so long that everybody I feel like is a professional. You mess up one little thing in your draft and it could cost you the year. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. By the way, uh, good job, El Paso Visuals Deportivos, sending us uh, via uh, Twitter or X the four shots of uh, Cade throwing the ball from uh, that game against Louisiana Tech. Now, were those all from the last drive, do you think, for the most part? Yeah, I think those are all from the last drive, and uh, I really appreciate him sending those over. Those are pretty cool. They are pretty cool. And by the way, we saw the leg kick he was talking about. Um, It was interesting because on this picture, which was the bottom left picture, it almost looks like that leg is uh, trying to kick a Louisiana Tech defender. I can promise you it's not that. I'm not trying to kick anybody uh, on purpose. But I originally I thought he was talking about my front leg doing a leg kick to get into the throw. But he's talking about the leg kick after when I follow through. And uh, neither of those would be good mechanics. It's not, not good that the back leg's coming up. But I do remember the play, and I think that's why I looked to the right, came back and threw a stop route a little bit late to uh, Jeremiah Ballard. So I think it was just one of those quick try to get the ball out there, motions with the body, and, and maybe that leg kick just kind of came through on the back end. But I'll try to clean that up for you. Nah, good stuff. Good pictures. Appreciate that, uh, Ivan. Uh, thank Thanks for sending us over there. And uh, again, if uh, anybody has uh, questions uh, for Cade heading into the bye week, and then before you know it, Adrian, uh, next Wednesday, a week from today, it's going to be UTEP and FIU doing battle. Cade, why do you wear visors at night? I- I'm just curious. Like, What's the secret behind wearing a visor as a quarterback? All right, I'm going to be very transparent with the community here. So I never wore a visor. I didn't. I was uh, very plain Jane with a lot of the things I did. And then my younger brother, Bo, current student at University of Utah and former equipment manager at University of Utah, um, also played football with me growing up. One of the years, uh, my senior year, his sophomore year, got to play on the same varsity team in high school. It was 
probably one of the coolest years of my life. Anyway, he he was all swagged out. He had all the all the stuff on. He's Cade, you got to do it, man. It just looks cool. You got to you got to have some swag. It's part of the deal. You you got to do it. No, 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 Bo. No, I'm not going to do it. And then finally last year, I kind of gave in and uh, I decided, okay, fine, I'll, I'll take your advice on some swag to wear. Um, and part of that was the visor and I actually ended up liking it. And it didn't really bother me at nighttime. So I kind of just kept kept it on. I kept it on during the week in practice. Some guys take it off for the night games because of the lights. Yeah. I felt like it didn't really bother me and uh, I, don't, I don't think it affected me down the field. So I think we're okay. I think so we're no okay. glare to deal with uh, when you're dealing with the lights at night with the visor. Yeah, I, I personally don't see one. Um, the only time I'll take it off is if it's raining or something like that. But I feel like if you practice with it throughout the week, you know, it, it's okay. It's have okay. you have you ever tried to go with one of those dark visors and see how that is? You can't in in uh, college. Oh, they won't even let it happen. No, no. no. I, it, they're very particular about that. So I guess you you got to make it to the league if you want to look mm. really cool. Okay. All right. That makes sense. That that would be fun. The best would be if you had one of those, like, reflected mirror visors where you couldn't even see into it. All you see is just somebody else's reflection. Those those are the ultimate. They they actually get particular about that because there's some visors that are like semi clear, kind of reflective on the outside, and they will have refs that walk around pregame to everybody, and they'll look and they'll make you turn your head side to side and inspect your visor to make sure it's not a mirrored one. That's okay. I like that. I had no idea it would get this deep. That's pretty good. It does. They take they take the drip and the swag very seriously. But uh, shout out to my younger brother Bo for making sure I don't look like a bum out there. Good job, Bo, with the swag. I appreciate that, and so does Cade. We'll come back. Final hour next. Stay with us. Dallas Cowboys update. Top of the hour as Sports Talk continues. Final hour underway. Welcome back, everybody, as we continue. Sports Talk uh, ready to go till 7 o'clock tonight. Trying to see. Adrian, do you have any idea if we even get ESPNU on our... Cable box. Oh, we don't. Man. Oh, we're not going to get to watch Jacksonville State in Middle Tennessee. That's just, that seems like a crime tonight. Devastating. Devastating. You know what, Steve? Maybe for one night, one Wednesday night, we take off Cassaction and we don't watch any of it. Oh, look. There we go. Cassaction is here, Cade. There we go. Cade McConnell with us right now. He gets to scout. Uh, Middle Tennessee, who will be UTEP's opponent uh, coming up here uh, later on in the season. They are playing Jacksonville State right now. Just got started on the U, and it is scoreless between these two teams. The truth is this. Our cable boxes are so old that like we have to basically rig them. Uh, five seconds ago, it said we don't get ESPNU, and then you have to do one of those tricks where you go channel up, channel down, just to try to reset it and hope that it shows up. And that's what we did to make it work. we got to make a move to the stream for you guys so you guys can just stream it up there maybe. That would be nice. <laughs> that would be I think nice. we got an Apple TV around here somewhere. We used to. I had a bunch of Apple TVs. I don't know what happened to them, but um, I need to, we need to plug those in again. And The problem is the Apple remotes died. I don't have any Apple TV remote. you have any of those old Apple remotes, Adrian? No, I don't. Maybe we got to ask uh, our engineer, Mike, Maybe he can get his hands on some of those, or yeah. maybe we could, uh, you know, th- download the app. I think they have like even an app on some of the newer Apple TVs where you could do something like that. All right, that would work because yes, I have I have the old, the first generation Apple TVs. I got like four of them. We used to have them in the house and we upgraded, so I brought them all to the station. But that would be nice. Point is this: scoreless, Middle Tennessee, Jacksonville State. Um, as Jack State getting ready to punt, actually Middle Tennessee getting ready to punt from their own end zone. Um, 
Cade, you've played Jacksonville State. They're one of the early surprises in this league. Four and one overall, two and zero in Conference USA, and they're not even bowl eligible this season. Yeah, I mean they're they're a good team, um, and they've shown that with their four and one record. Uh, they were they were a big team, very physical, and they did a lot of different stuff on defense. And as I'm looking at it right now in this first drive, um, you know we caught just the tail end of it, but it looked like a three and out for Middle Tennessee, and they were punting on fourth and twenty five right there. Uh, so obviously Jacksonville State's D line showing up pretty quick there, and I think they're getting the ball back on like the thirty on on Middle Tennessee's thirty five yard line. What's it like to um, have Wednesday night football in Conference USA. It's going to be a little bit different. You know, I don't exactly know how it's going to feel or how it's going to go yet. We haven't gotten to to do it yet. We'll get to do it for the first time on Wednesday. Um, but it's definitely going to be a little different. I mean, outside of just the football aspect of it, you know, we are still student athletes. Um, we are still going to classes. And so, you know, you travel on Tuesday, you play on Wednesday. Sometimes the flight doesn't get back till 2 a.m. if you're far away, which is probably going to be the case. In uh, Miami? Exactly, uh, with the long flight back. Mm-hmm. So um, it's going to make classes a little difficult on Thursday. So it's definitely, you know, that aspect of it is definitely uh, different and will be an adjustment period. Um, we're just going to have to roll with the flow. Do you have classes on Thursdays? I do. I have classes personally Aww. on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, what so, time on Thursday? What's your first class? 12. Oh, you got a little time. Yeah, no, I got a little time. Yeah, no, got a little time. Got a little time. Who's, your, uh, who's your professor for that class? Uh, De Los Santos, Dr. Upton. Dr. Upton, if you're listening to the show right now, please give Kate a break uh, that next a week from tomorrow. No tests on Thursdays. No, he's, he's got a busy day. It's going to be a tough, tough stretch. He's not going to be in class on Tuesday. Then he's going to show up probably a little groggy next Thursday. Just give him a little, cut him some slack because it's going to be a long trip for him. I, I, I do this a lot, Agent. I always try and get on the phone uh, with, with, with employers and bosses, and whether it's our listeners or, in this case, Cade, just try to do what we can to give them a, a little bit of a pass. Cade, can we uh, sub in? Like Maybe one day it's UTEP Zay. He goes to class for Cade McConnell. One day it's me. I'm, I'm Cade McConnell. One day it's Steve who, who joins class, maybe Jason Craig. The month of October, you might need some help at some different bodies. A group effort from the group here at ESPN 600 El Paso. I think that's a great idea. Group group effort for Cade McConnell's grades. How does that sound? I think that sounds excellent. Now, I think of all of the lookalikes, Adrian will pass for you the best. So uh, Zay is uh, Zay is uh, 16 years old. That's going to be a little difficult. Uh, I, I'm probably older than your professor. That could be a little bit of a challenge. So, uh, you know, we might have to, Adrian, we might have to dial up. Plus, he's the, he is the one most, uh, like, least removed from college how many years for you what four yeah four Four. all right four is good i am uh 28 it's been a while Oh, yeah, you would definitely have to shake the rust off a little bit. Huh? I would. I'd yeah. be a little nervous about that. In fact, I probably would get upset at the professor in the middle of class and say something I wouldn't, and then next thing you know, you're being disciplined. It, it would not be a good idea. It you've already, you've already done idea. your time, right? You've already done I your feel time. Like you're it. Good. Absolutely, I did. I got a diploma to show for it, and I'm, I'm very happy with that. You know, it's, it's, it's a good feeling. Good feeling. That's good. So um, right now we've got a wild game here. Um, Middle Tennessee picked off Jacksonville State in the end zone, so they get the ball back on a touchback. So a punt and an interception in the first three minutes and ten seconds of this football game on ESPNU. 
Yeah, it's eventful, no doubt. Um, I didn't get to see the entire drive right there, but I don't believe this is Jacksonville State's starting quarterback. Um, so mm-hmm. definitely a tough turnover, getting the ball in plus territory and then you know trying to go down and score and throwing a pick in the back corner of the end zone. That's not what you want to see. I think Webb is their starting quarterback. Zion Webb. Right, Zion Webb. And they're going right now with Logan Smothers. So I have no idea who that is, but he's playing right now. And he then, won Conference USA Player of the Week last week. I, really? I don't know him either. I don't know him either. So, okay. yeah, but they rallied back last week because Saxon was happening last week, and mm. they, they rallied back and won in their game. And it was a back-and-forth effort against Sam Houston State, uh, and they won in the final moments of overtime last week. So maybe that's why. So last week they played on Thursday night. Tonight they're playing on Wednesday, and then they've got like a Tuesday game late in the month. So if you had to play on a Tuesday, a Wednesday, or a Thursday, what's the day of choice for you that you're gonna have to that you're gonna end up playing? Goodness, <laughs> I don't know. I I think I'll choose Wednesday just for sake that it's in the middle, and mm-hmm. just pick in the middle. Why not? But it is definitely really weird to play during the week. Um, as as football players, students, athletes, we we have you you get into your routine, you get into your rhythm. The days of the week have their own allotted things that happen in them, and then when you have games like this, you got to switch all that around. But uh, that's part of the adaptation process. So when you play on a Wednesday, does that now mean you will be practicing on Saturdays and Sundays? It does. It does. Wow. And then what? And then you're off uh, obviously for travel purposes on road games Tuesdays, or it's a walkthrough for a home game. So you'll basically be playing practicing Thursday like through Monday. Yep, just about just yeah, just about. Yeah, because Tuesday is really well, maybe they well, you do, get, maybe there's some you practice. Get, uh, on you get Thursday off, I would assume. Oh, that's after, true. Too. Day after so, the game. So Friday to Monday or Friday to Tuesday. It's a weird schedule. It, it is. really is. Thursday becomes like your Sunday. It's which, your film day. Right. And your review and your rest. You know, rest and recovery. That's right. right. Get the body healthy again. Yeah, it's exactly. And then, um, by the way, how do you have, okay, when you have film review on Sunday, there's no school that day. So it makes sense. Like, yeah, you're going to watch tape on Sunday from the game. Do you guys even watch tape on Sundays or not usually after a Saturday game? Uh, you can watch tape on Sundays. We just don't always do it as a group. Uh, okay. that, that usually takes place once you get back into the week. Yeah, because, I mean, you're not going to, when are you going to watch tape? I mean, if you have school on Thursday, that's not going to happen. Do you have any class on Friday? No, no classes Friday. Okay. I actually did a good job of planning out my schedule this year. Tuesday, Thursday, I go in for a couple classes in the day, and then I got some online classes, so I really only have to go be on campus in person Tuesday, Thursday for a couple classes. Not bad. Oh, no. you've scheduled it like uh, that, that's brilliant scheduling. I like you got to stay on top of it, right? Yeah, Steve? you do. You do. And you need, look, you got enough to worry about right now with this football team. The last thing you need to do is bog yourself down four days a week with class. Right. You got you to make sure you're on top of it all. And, and my mom, who's the teacher in my life uh, has made sure that I've all stay on top of that. So mom, I'll, I'll always get good grades. Okay. Uh, 13 past the hour. That's good. 505-6009, our telephone number. If you want to get in, now's the time to do it to, over the course of the next 45 minutes of the show. We'd love to hear your voice and, and hear from you folks as we continue. Cade, by the way, taking first rep snaps uh, this week in practice during the bye week. So, um, you know, that's as a result of what's happened uh, with this quarterback room. And like you said, uh, it's been it's been challenging. I mean, here you are a couple of weeks ago when you're joining us on the show. Uh, you were really fourth string because uh, at that point, Gavin was playing and behind him was either going to be Kevin Hurley or Jake McNamara. And it's not very many games where we have three quarterbacks playing in one game. And that's exactly what happened last Friday night here at the Sun Bowl. It was really exciting uh, that I got that opportunity. Um, 
like I said earlier in the show, I'm always going to prepare to go in. Um, and, you know, and always have belief in myself. You know, you have to, no matter what, uh, when you play at a high level and, you know, once that belief in yourself goes out, then, it, then everything's out the window. But I, you know, always have belief in myself, always going to know that I can go in there and make plays and expect myself to make plays. You know, that's the standard. It wasn't, well, you know, here goes nothing. It, it was, no, I'm going to step in here and expect me to make plays, expect me to help the team. Um, and that's what I was set out to do. Adrian asked you earlier in the show to critique yourself in that first game. If you had to put a grade on your performance, what would you grade yourself? Yeah, I'd, I'd give myself a, a B. I think I did some good things and was able to move the ball down the field. Uh, maybe a B minus, you know, not getting the ball in the end zone is tough there. I know time started to run out, but we had opportunities and there were little things on each play that uh, I thought I could have done better. Um, and that's part of the learning process. So, you know, I'm not going to, you know, bog myself down and, and, and be too hard on myself. Uh, I'm going to take the good things and then the things that I can fix fix and move on become better. Don't worry about being hard on yourself. Uh, that's up to our listeners. They'll be the ones that will truly critique you on minor talk after every football game if you continue to play uh, in that role. Trust me, uh, Adrian Ugh. gets calls all the time from fans who are very uh, willing to offer their opinion and critique on uh, the quarterbacks in particular. Well, are they as excited when things go well? Because I, I did, you know, receive some good support, and I have seen El Paso show up strong at the Sun Bowl. Um, so, you know, if they're going to be fans and they're going to be energetic and, and go down with the lows and be hard on us, then uh, I hope they come with the highs and bring a ton of energy and support when the highs come. People that liked you, Cade, I think uh, we had some positive response from you afterward. And I, I'm not just saying that. I, I think people actually did. They, they had to point out, uh, we asked people like to point out who stood out to them and you were some of you were uh the guy that people pointed out among the whole team so that's good that you left a lasting impression on some of our listeners well that that, that's great to hear and uh and that's great um now let's just take that and let's put it out onto the field next week there you go um and let's go get a w that's that's all we want i agree with you all right we'll keep things moving 505-6009 if you want to get in or 600 espn el paso as we continue here on social media let's go to charlie one and get ourselves this traffic update 16 past here as Sports Talk continues. In the El Paso Metroplex, we have some rough edges still on the far east side edge. We're in Tower Arms. We have that injury crash. BD is still on that one, 12,400. Yeah, on the far east side, we have a wreck there. Also, let's go to the county, Gateway West and Nonap. That wreck shares on that one. Let's go to the west side, Mesa and Crossroads on a crash. Also, Northwestern, Paseo de Norte on a crash. You're of the brakes here, I-10 at Red, and also I-10 at Trans Mountain, only one lane available there. This update uh, brought to you by Leo's Restaurant, 7520 Remtron. Leo's has a full-service bar with the Falcons, Mahitas, Gurubitas, Chicken, and Mole, and much more there on the menu. A famous tortilla soup. Leo's Restaurant, 7520 Remtron, Charlie 1600, ESPN, El Paso. Back here on Sports Talk at 21 past the hour. Watching the Middle Tennessee-Jacksonville State game here as we continue with Cade McConnell, UTEP quarterback. Early impressions from what you had a chance to see in the first uh, half of quarter number one. What jumps out at you on the page here? Yeah, uh, I think that Middle Tennessee's defense made a really big play for them. And then I'm also seeing uh, a lot of stops in general. The offenses don't look 
too smooth to me right now. Um, I think that just goes to show that these defenses are really good. Obviously, we saw that against Jacksonville State, and from the few plays I've seen right here from Middle Tennessee, not looking bad as well. Um, we know Middle Tennessee's offense, though, they work, they work real fast, they work quick, and big plays are, are very common for them. They are. Um, we asked earlier about your impressions of your uh, opportunity to play and, and what that Series Plus was like for you firsthand as you've had a chance to look over your, your performance. When you saw really the first chance we've seen of Kevin Hurley and, and uh, Jake McNamara playing some extended minutes prior to when you had a chance to come in, what were your impressions of, of both of their performances that, that kind of you picked up on when you started watching the tape? Yeah, you know, I think both of them were uh, really excited to get the opportunity as well. Um, I think that, you know, Kevin went in when he went in there, he stuck to, you know, what he is really good at. And it's his natural gifted attributes. He's really big. He's fast. He can run the ball. I think he did really good in that quarterback run game um, and was able to make some plays happen there that opens up the offense for us in a few different ways. And then Jake is, you know, really quick and shifty, um, you know, and he had a couple of runs there. Unfortunately, he got banged up on one of them. But I think both of those guys did well with the attributes and the things that they're good at trying to you know you know really capitalize on their cornerstone you know it's interesting too with jake you're and and the play that he gets hurt on when you play in high school and you're running and you're trying to get a first down sometimes your inclination is i'm going to go head first i'm not going to slide the baseball slide because i'm used to just jumping right into the action but all of a sudden when you're going up against guys that are so much bigger and, and and really physical the way we saw one good hit and all of a sudden you forget hey you're a quarterback and you got to be you got to be as careful as possible on those kind of plays just because you get hit the wrong spot and you're going to be out and and that's I think that's the toughest part because he scored on something similar got himself into the end zone on a on a play like that but sometimes you I guess you you don't think about it until after the fact right you know natural instincts take over and you're always going to have to be the athlete that you know you can be um, and try to make plays so sometimes it's hard to be careful but you know I had somebody ask me how can running backs run and run and run and run and run and then if it seems like the quarterback runs a couple times and then they get knocked out or something like that and the answer to that is is well running backs like that's their entire job they've done that their entire lives they know how to run how to make cuts and how to make hits while keeping themselves safe or not being directly hit you know they bounce off of a hit or or go down in a certain way and, and maneuvering around defenders with quarterback it's the same way we just get a whole lot less exposure to that and when you have guys the jump from you know high school juco to division one level is you have guys that are obviously bigger faster stronger but they're more accurate when it comes to hitting for defenders like they they know exactly how to put their body to get the ball stopped on the ground where in high school and other lower levels you may not get as solid of a contact and when you're a quarterback you know trying to make a play and you may go head first or something like that you're very susceptible to getting hit square in the head and it only takes one of those to to hurt you and unfortunately that's what you know happened with jake Cade, how much college football do you watch? Uh, this is we are breaking down some uh, Middle Tennessee, Jacksonville State with you right now. But I, I know that some other football players on this team they've come to us and they've said, "Hey, look, when I'm away from the practice field, when I'm away from the field itself, I don't really watch a lot of college football." And and they uh, prefer to do other things with their free time. So, how much college football specifically do you watch? So, I mean, hours of college football that I watch is a ton because we're watching a lot of film on the opponent. But as far as how much 
college football across different teams and just, you know, watching TV like a fan. Um, I watch what I can, but a lot of that time, you know, we're either playing on Saturdays, you know, you try to watch what you can during the week, but we're busy during the weeks. Um, I'll watch some in the hotel or what we're doing before games, you know, try to catch some of those big games that come on at, you know, noon their times. So maybe they're a little earlier if we're at home or something like that. I'll watch college football when I can. This Saturday, actually, when we played on Friday, um, I watched a ton of college football. Gavin Hardison was over hanging out with me um, at the house, and we watched all the big college football games. We got to see that Ole Miss game mm-hmm. um, with LSU, and, and, and you know, we enjoy watching football. We're, we're football fans. We eat it, live, breathe it. Um, but sometimes it's difficult to watch. But I, I try to get what I can, and then I also you know, enjoy doing other things. I like watching my fantasy football stuff, um, playing video games, playing guitar, whatever it is. There's other things that happen in my life, but I try to watch a lot of college football. When you answered that last question about quarterbacks versus running backs, and you talked about you know how running backs, that's all they do, right? The first thing I think of is Deion Hankins because that is the strongest human being I've seen in football given what he is able to do in the weight room. He is an absolute monster of a man. Yet he's been banged up his whole college career because he runs in such a physical style, trying to basically go and hit and attack the holes and not try to run around but run through tacklers, that even when you're as strong as he is, it just goes to show you that when you run to contact, it doesn't matter who you are. Very few football players are able to get out of that healthy. And that's one of the reasons to me why Dion's been so banged up over the years is because he runs to contact and almost initiates it as a running back. And that is a very difficult thing to do when you can run over people and continue to stay healthy game after game. Truthfully, playing running back is difficult to do as far as talking about health, no matter what your archetype is. Deion Hankins, bigger back, powerful back, can break tackles, but you got to run through and take those hits at the same time. Very different than our other running back, Torrance Burgess, who's much smaller but a lot quicker and shiftier and can maybe move away from hits, but then when gets hit, you know, doesn't have as much meat on him to take those hits. But that's part of being a good running back and knowing what you're good at, kind of like what I was talking about with the quarterbacks. Like I threw a swing pass to Dion in that two minute drill. And instead of just going straight for speed out of bounds, you know, he made his decision in a two minute drill to go in, try to push through a guy, power through a guy, break off a tackle, got more yards, and then went out of bounds. Huge advantage for our team in a first down. You've seen Torrance Burgess get the ball who where, you know, he's going to be quick to the edge, make a move, shake a tackler. They won't even touch him. And then, you know, go down the field. And it's going to take multiple guys that's not one-on-one to get him down but it's tough that that's why it's so tough to stay healthy in football that's why you got to stay ready if you're a backup because of all these things adrian statistically speaking Deion hankins and torrence burgess are having the same year running the ball it's really interesting because uh Dion has 380 yards on 73 carries for a 5.2 average and a touchdown Burgess has 366 yards on 67 carries, so six fewer carries, 14 fewer yards, a 5.5 average versus a 5.2 average, and two touchdowns. So really, when you combine the two, you're talking about over 750 yards and three touchdowns on the ground. But you know, we, we've looked at Burgess, and everybody said, wow, Burgess is having that breakthrough season as a running back compared to Dion." They're virtually identical. The the advantage Burgess has is in the passing game where he has um so far, you know, more receptions than than Hankins. He's got eight receptions versus uh, Dion's two. 
You know, when I look at just those two, the only difference I see is Dion was pretty much held. He was out of one game and pretty much limited in another one. So you get a limited production from Dion when uh, I still view him as when he is at his healthiest, when he is at his best, he should be taking upward of 20 carries a game and he should be dominating on the ground with the help of the offensive line. So, I mean, that's how I look at Dion Hankins and that's the expectations I put on him because he's a great running back. He's an all-conference type of running back and we've seen it before when he gets on the ground when he gets momentum uh running the football then things work out for this team but when he's not healthy and yeah. he's banged up and, and playing a limited role maybe we see more of a passive running style from Dion. have go ahead yeah and and exactly like what you said adrian you know both of those players are very different players but they're both star players and can make huge plays for our team in very different ways and it's on us as an offense and and you know for the entire quarterback room to get them the ball and allow them to make plays the best offenses in america allow their playmakers to make plays get the ball in space and production after they catch the ball let them get their yards after the catcher after the first contact um and you know that's that's on me and the rest of the quarterbacks as well putting them in space getting into good checks and things like that and optimizing their success Six thirty as we continue here uh, and we've got a half an hour left to go in the program let's get right back to adrian he has one final sports center update for us Thank you very much. That NMSU-Florida uh, International game, uh, which I'm sure Kate is going to be interested in because that's UTEP's next opponent a week from tonight. That'll be happening 7 o'clock on the CBS Sports Network. CBS Sports Network. Do you get CBS Sports Network back at the uh, uh, McConnell House? I do. We do oh, get CBS Sports Network. Uh, actually, the McConnell household makes sure to get literally every single sports package that is we could possibly buy. In Jeez. fact, I'm pretty sure the McConnell household back in Long Beach, California, switched over to DirecTV from Spectrum simply because of the ESPN channel need issues. To, need to get them all. That's right. And then, of course, uh, the deal gets done. But by the time that, it's like, hey, sorry, we're already we're gone. We're exactly. Going, we're going someplace else. All right. Um, so we'll keep an eye on that FIU uh, NMSU game. That starts again when we wrap things up here, 7 o'clock. Uh, meanwhile, uh, good start between this Middle Tennessee Jackson State game and Middle Tennessee trying to drive in and get the first score of the game as they approach the end of the first quarter. And uh, uh, don't you feel like this league has a lot of parity, really, when you look at it from top to bottom? Yeah, I do. There's definitely, you know, when you get into the nitty gritty and you start looking at details, there's a lot of carryover from team to team. There's a lot of teams that do similar things. And then there's teams that do weird stuff that other teams do. And there's a lot of crossover. So you try to compare and contrast and take what you can from each of them in order to prepare week in and week out. This came from uh, Poncho on uh, social. It said, uh, I'd rather see Cade McConnell at quarterback over Gavin Hardison. Jake McNamara would still be option one. Now, just to give you a little background on Poncho, Poncho is unfortunately not the president of the Gavin Hardison fan club. It's just, uh, just the way he's been. He's been at him. He's been at it for years. He 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 said the same thing. Make me a believer. Make me a believer is what he's wanted to do. And and uh, congratulations, Poncho would rather see you at quarterback. Well. Thanks, Poncho. Appreciate appreciate that. <laughs> you don't even know how to react to that, do you? You really don't. It's such a it's such an awkward it's such an awkward message. Right, he right? Said, it he really said, is. He said he would prefer me, but still Jake, Jake number one. Yeah, Jake is number one. Is that a compliment? He's got his depth chart right now. I can't tell if I'm supposed to say thank you or not. 
Yeah, and he also said, I would rather see Hurley than Hardison at quarterback. So we're a little confused about the pecking order. Poncho, if you wouldn't mind, give us your pecking order of the – we know where you feel like Gavin. That's that, uh, you know, you've been saying that for years. But where are you on the other three in terms of Hurley, McConnell, and McNamara? If McNamara is option one, and then there's McConnell. I mean, is Cade below uh, Kevin Hurley? Is he above him? Where does he stand? I'm, I'm just kind of curious about Me this. Me too. I, I really I need am. The depth chart. And does Cade's appearances on Sports Talk has it affected Poncho's value in terms of Cade McNam- of Cade uh, McConnell's place on the uh, depth chart? That's think, also something we're interested in. I think so, Steve. Yeah. And I also think that. Uh, the la- well, so the last time Cade joined the show, he talked about you know being ready for opportunities. He got thrown in a game, mm-hmm. so hey, maybe uh, this next opportunity he gets, he gets to shine a little bit more. Yeah. By the way, you, you need to make the most of it. Otherwise, they're going to rip you on minor talk. That's just the fact. So I mean, you really you need if you, if you're going to get that second opportunity, maybe start a game and, and play a full game. You got you. you you got to win. You got to do that. Otherwise, uh, you know, it's it's going to be rough. And Adrian's going to blast you on the show after the game. And even and no disrespect, you know, it's it's all uh, peace and love, peace and love. But hey, <laughs> it's you know, it's just the facts are facts. Yeah, I mean, it's part of the game, right? It's, well, it's it part is. of the it's part of the position for sure. You get to ride the highs, but you are with the lows. And uh, we've had some crazy fan bases in uh, previous schools that I've played for that have been very opinionated with the highs and the lows. And uh, I can take the criticism too. Good, I, I can take the criticism. Uh, and I appreciate all the love when it when it comes. Are you ready to step into an interview room if asked? Yes, absolutely. Post game interview room. Yes, I'll be ready for that too. I'm ready for anything that gets thrown my way, Adrian. Okay, that's good. I like that. Yeah, because you're going to get questions from guys like Brett Bloomquist. You know, you'll be dealing with um, Colin Deaver, Deaver Fever. We're I prepared. Mean, good, Rachel Phillips. I mean, they're all they're all going to be out there for you. Have you not been preparing me right here, right now? We're trying. Yeah. We're trying, and you've and you've got it down. I feel like when necessary, the the cliches can just flow out of your mouth so naturally. You're perfect. And then you know when it when you, when you want to throw a little zinger, a little nugget out there, you can do that too. It's good. Yeah, yeah. You know, sometimes I do. Get, I will admit, I get caught up in the cliches. But you know why, Steve? Because they're true. They they they. As much as they are cliches, and sometimes they may sound cheesy or whatever you want to call it, they are true. They are true. What is your favorite cliche to use in an interview? What do you love to just throw out One game at a time? Yeah, maybe one play at a time, one game at a time. I, I, that's a tough question that I don't really have a solid answer for. But that, that is a good one, Adrian. I'm, I, you could always just stick to one play at a time, right? You can. Although I would love to use the kind of my my baseball coach at Coronado, uh, Coach Wanderowski, used to always talk about how you just got to keep battling and you got to keep competing. And that's that's the greatest sports cliche out there because you could say, listen, you know, I, I know it's been tough, but understand this: this team will keep battling. This team is going to keep competing every week until the end of the season. Right, but I mean, can you knock it? You can't knock it. No, as long as you're, as long can't as you're, anything. as long as you're truly trying to battle and compete. What are they going to say? You're not competing. Of course, you're you're on the field playing. You're you're in a competition. That's what it's all about. Right, right. And I will say that every time that I come on the show and and talk with Minor Nation and you guys, everything really is truthful. I mean, I'm speaking from the heart. And if I use a lot of cliches. I apologize, but they're all true, and I really mean every single one of them. Okay. So the point is, uh, if when, when you throw the cliches out, uh, understand that, uh, hey, you got a, a couple of favorites, but the truth is that's just, <laughs> the, that's just the way it's going to be. Right. That no, is. that's that. it is what it is, right? Have you ever, like, okay, have you ever had a game when you played before this, right, before UTEP, and, and you just, like, met the media after a game and said, you know what, 
I sucked. It was just, I was awful. And just blast yourself and just tell everybody just how bad you are. Or have you never gone to that level? Or at the flip side, you ever said, you know what? I was really good today. Yeah, you see, you see that, everybody? I Five touchdowns and, uh, you know, 280, 300 yards. Um, yeah, that is the kind of performance I am capable of every week. I don't know if I've said that, and I will say that the uh, high school and junior college interviewers are usually pretty kind in the sense that they will only pull you off to the side if you did something good. They usually don't interview, you know, the guy that threw all the interceptions and mm-hmm. uh, lost the game by 20, but um, haven't had very many of those in my career either which i'm fortunate to say that is good although it is refreshing when somebody gives a soundbite that is so different than what they're used to hearing the reaction is huh all right that's that's new i like that we run with that that's it's kind of nice for a change yeah i mean the truth is is that when you get those post-game interviews or you get guys coming on a lot of the times, especially after games, you're going to get a lot of the cliches. You're going to get very generic answers. You're going to get guys um, that maybe sometimes just want to say the right thing. Yeah. So when there's a little bit of a wrinkle or something that's just a little bit different, I could totally understand why the media is like, oh, my gosh, we're getting something different. Maybe that's really real or maybe that's you know just something different for the ears, right? And the last thing you need is to be called into the coach's office and try to explain what you were saying and what was taken either out of context or well, now all of a sudden is, is, is going viral. That's the last thing you need to worry about. That's the last thing you need. That helps absolutely nobody. And your job is not to be good at interviews. Your job is to be a great football player and to help your organization win games. And if you're out there doing anything you know, in an interview that's, that's you know, defamatory to your teammates or your coaches or your organization, you're not contributing to that. When we come back, Cade McConnell will save the best for last. He's going to tell us his thoughts on Taylor Swift and uh, Travis Kelsey and how that has changed the football world as we know it. So we'll have that coming up as we continue right here. Sports Talk 600 ESPN El Paso.